Eagles Entertainment. With the 13th pick in the 2022 NFL Draft, the Philadelphia Eagles select... You're listening to the Journey to the Draft podcast. Welcome to the Journey of the Draft podcast presented by Life Brand. I'm your host, Fran Duffy, and the Combine is just around the corner. And guess what? We are here to give you a thorough Combine preview on this week's episode because we're going to start off with a double feature on Draft Buzz, a full position-by-position preview, first on offense with Dane Brugler, then on defense with Ben Fennell. We're going to wrap it up with pick six with Greg Cosell, but we're going to talk through the numbers we're most excited to see at the Combine, who's going to blow the doors off the workout, who's going to surprise us with how they how they perform in testing drills. Who should we not care if they don't test all that well? Who are we excited to see in position workouts? We're going to cover all of that again, every single position spot by spot here in this episode. It's going to be a long one. This is going to be a marathon episode, but we're going to do it all in one episode to get you ready for next week's action in Indianapolis. Like I said, we'll wrap it up with pick six. Greg and I are going to go through six guys he studied on tape here. We've got three more positions to cover with Greg, and then we'll wrap things up before our combine trip next week where uh, myself, Gabby, Gabriella Giovanni, we're going to come and be coming at you every single day, starting on Wednesday of that week. Then drills start on Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. We're going to be covering it wall-to-wall from Indianapolis right here on the Journey of the Draft podcast presented by LifeBrand. That said, let's get into it now. Excited to catch up with Ben Fennell and Dane Brugler. It's time for Draft Buzz. Now it's time for Draft Buzz. All right, joining us now to uh, start previewing the Combine next week in Indianapolis, Dane Brugler from The Athletic. You can follow him on Twitter at DP Brugler. Dane, I'm just going to set the table for our listeners real quick as we go through. We're going to go position by position with five different categories, five different questions. I'm going to ask you for the offense, Ben for the defense. Which number were most important to see? That's an individual measurement uh, for any position um, or for any player at that given position. So it could be a height weight measurement. It could be an arm length. It could be a 40 time. It could be any kind of test result. Whatever that number is, whatever the most important is, we're going to name it there in that question. Next one, but who's going to blow the doors off the workout if they test? So who's going to oppress us most? Who could shock us? So a guy that's underrated that's going to test well out in Indianapolis. One player where the testing shouldn't matter as much for. We could take that however you see fit for every position, and then also the most important position workouts. So after they finish the 40s and the shuttles and the uh, the jumps, uh, the positional ball workout, the, the bag workout, whatever it is at every position, um, who's got the most important positional workout out on the field. We'll try and cover as many players as we can here, Dane, but uh, as always, this is going to be a, a fun trip out to Indianapolis. No doubt, always is. And, you know, I think it's uh, just a, we have to remind people, you know, the reason for the combines, the medicals, the interviews, that that's where – uh, you know, I think the biggest ways for these guys to rise or fall is, is with those two categories. But, you know, what the, the on-field testing, the measurements, it still matters. It's still, uh, you know, I, I think most of the work is done. These are just this, – this is the gap fillers, you know, just filling in where there might be a gap in an evaluation. Um, and, and several of these players we're going to talk about today – uh, you know, it's going to be important for them to work out and work out well in order to for them to live up to where we think they could be drafted. Right, well, let's uh, let's get started, man, because we got a lot to cover here. We'll start at quarterback. I feel like this is a layup question, but what number is going to be most important to see from the quarterback position next week in Indianapolis? I'm reluctantly going to say Bryce Young. Yeah. Uh, you know, honestly, I, I don't really care. Uh, you know, he's small. You know, he's a complete outlier size wise, and so I don't really think it matters what he comes in at because no matter what it is 
it's going to be an outlier. It's going to be small. And, yep. Yeah. And so, you know, I, but I, the number will be important for some people to see. And, and it'll be nice just to have an official number down on paper. Um, my guess is going to be 5'10", 4", 5'10 and a half, 194 pounds. That, that is my guess for what he will be. And it will be really interesting to see just how close he is to those numbers. So many of these other quarterbacks, we've kind of you know, we either don't really have a size question, or we've already kind of gotten it answered, right? So, mm-hmm. um, you know, Jake Hayner went to went went to the Senior Bowl. Yeah, he's six foot two oh eight. Like he's he's undersized. Some of these other guys, we've seen them go to these. You know, Max Duggan went to the Senior Bowl. He came in six one two oh four. That is undersized, right? And that's kind of what you were saying about Bryce Young. Like if Bryce Young came in at six one two oh four, that would be huge, huge news. But that's right. still small for a quarterback. So, um, you know, I think at the end of the day, I don't think that's why that necessarily matters too, too much. The one big well, name, it, you know, big name, I guess, is Stetson Bennett from Georgia. Um, sure. You know, how big does he actually come in at? He was not at the Senior Bowl, uh, so we'll get a sense of uh, Stetson Bennett's official measurements when we get to an uh, Indy next week. Yeah, and just for context, in the spring, Stetson Bennett was five eleven and one eighth, one hundred eighty six pounds, and so. How close does he come to to that measurement? Um, and, and also hand size. You know, for yep. smaller body types usually mean smaller hands. Not always. Um, you know, I mean, Baker Mayfield had big hands. Russell Wilson had big hands. Um, but just the slightness of Bryce Young's body, uh, what does that mean for his hand size? Uh, so, yeah, it, it's something that, you know, will be important to see. So at this position, it's a little bit tricky because we rarely see quarterbacks go through the full gamut of athletic testing anymore. That's just not what these guys are going to be asked to do here. But um, I will say, based off of if they work out, who are you Mm -hmm. expecting to, uh, to crush the athletic portion of the testing? Anthony Richardson, I think that's an easy answer here. I, yep. I doubt he tests, like you said, but we can hope, right? You know, it, it would. He looks like a linebacker, moves like a safety or a corner. Um, if the over under was say four or five, um, I'm taking the under. He's a total freak show athlete. Um, you know, it's unfortunate we probably won't get to see him test. And really, if you think about it, uh, all the you know uber athletes we've had at the position the last ten or ten years or so, maybe only Justin Fields ran actually ran a forty. Uh, and that wasn't even at the combine. That was at his pro day. So, you know, it's just something that we don't see from a lot of big time uh, quarterbacks. Uh, but, it, you know, you know, we, we, we can hope. We just probably won't see it. Uh, Malik Cunningham from Louisville is a guy that I'll bring up as well. You know, this is sure. guy that I think most people feel like as a 4-4 athlete. Um, he's played a ton of ball at Louisville. I mean, 47 starts in his career. Uh, so there's plenty of tape to go off of and to, to gauge his athleticism. But uh, we'll get a sense of uh, if he's actually going to go through all, all the testing uh, next week. That will be interesting to see. But or, I do, or if he, he does might, test well. Maybe if he tests at another position too. Uh, right. If they ask yep. him to, you know, hey, just catch some balls. Just see, you know, see what it looks like, that type of thing. That, that might also be on the table for him. I guess this kind of impacts the next question as well. Like who could shock us with how well they test just because not many quarterbacks do, but is there a guy that comes to mind there? Yeah. Another quarterback who, you know, I, I don't think will test, but will Levis, um, especially coming off that foot injury. If he were to test, I think he would surprise people just yeah. how athletic he is for a guy that's, uh, you know, 230 pounds, big six, four guy. Uh, he'd probably be in the four sixes in the 40. Uh, he's a really loose player for his size. So I, I think he would move well. Um, among the realistic, uh, you know, quarterbacks that might work out, uh, the testing, I would maybe say Max Duggan, you know, his mm-hmm. over unders probably, uh, four, six, eight, four, seven, Oh, maybe around there. Um, you know, he, he's a pretty good athlete. We, we see that time and time again on his tape with the way he likes to, uh, you know, run the ball and show off his toughness and his athleticism. So, uh, you know, maybe Max Duggan surprises us a little bit with how he tests.
Yeah, Stetson Bennett are throwing that same bucket mm-hmm. as well. Um, let's get to the just cut right to the position workouts, right? Like, uh, who's a guy that, that has it's, mo- it's so important for this guy to have a really good positional workout, throwing the football to these pass catchers out and uh, on the turf at Lucas Oil. I, two quarterbacks, really, I want to mention here. First, Anthony Richardson. Yeah, um, no doubt. He, he's going to put on a show with that, with his arm power, um, the effortless velocity that he has. You talk to any evaluator, and they'll tell you there's just something about seeing a quarterback throw in person that is different than what you see on film. And those in Lucas Oil Stadium, they're going to watch the ball explode off his hand, and they're not going to forget it. But you know what? The placement matters too. Uh, the timing, the pacing. Uh, you know, he won't need to be perfect by any means, but he can't be below average either. And then the other quarterback, uh, workout I want to mention is CJ Stroud. He has the unenviable task of throwing after Richardson. It just happens to be Mm. alphabetical order. And so we know that Stroud doesn't have a big arm, uh, but you know, I think it's good enough, but you know, I I don't have any really big questions about the arm strength, but will there be a huge difference seeing them throw one after the other? Um, and I think just, you know, the reason we talk about Stroud as a possible top five pick is the accuracy from the pocket. So I think it'll be important for him to uh, just reinforce that with his throws in, Indiana- in Indianapolis. And, and Will Levis, I think you throw into that same bucket as well. Again, yes. the, the injury kind of clouds whether or not he will or not. But I think uh, that, that's another important workout. I think if, dude, if, if Richardson goes and just like really impresses in this, I think that will bode really well for what his draft stock could be uh, mm-hmm. a couple months from now. But, um, you know, obviously we'll, we'll let that uh, let that play out uh, by the time we get through next week. Let's go to running back here. Most important number you want to see from the running back position once we get to uh, once we get to Indianapolis. I think it's going to be the weight for some of these these running backs, uh, specifically Jameer Gibbs, who listed at 200 pounds um, at Alabama and then Devin A. Chain. Uh, 185 pounds. Uh, so th- those are the number two and number three running backs, uh, respectively, on my board. And I, you know, normally I stay away from those smaller body types at the position, but I think it just says how special these two guys are athletically. And um, I'm just gonna, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna go go to the next one because that that brings us to who's gonna blow off the doors off the, the if they test. That's a chain. Uh, yeah. This is one of the best athletes in the draft. Uh, ran track at A and M this past spring. Ran a 20. 0.20 in the outdoor 200 meters to put that number in perspective the olympic trial qualifier is 20.24 and mm. he ran a 20.20 so and this guy has always been football first uh his high school track coach actually had to convince him to run track as a freshman but he's been doing that ever since he's been a two-sport guy and it'll be interesting when he can focus year-round just on football and really work on that body but the athletic traits are ridiculous. Uh, a chain, he, he's on the short list of the favorites for the fastest forty this year. Yeah, uh, he's a guy that I think everybody's excited to see. You know, in a short in shorts and a t shirt, we expect that environment to be really friendly for Devin A chain. Um, for me, one guy that just a, a workout I'm excited to see. Just going back to that first question, dude, I'm excited to see Tank Bigsby work out, man. Um, yeah. You know, this is a guy that he put up huge numbers as a true freshman at Auburn. Uh, was you know the, the freshman player of the year in the SEC. Was freshman All American. Uh, ran for almost 900 yards that year. Uh, ran for a thousand yards the year after. But when you watch him, it's just like contact so early in the down. That offensive line just really struggled to block SEC mm-hmm. defensive fronts these last couple of years. So I mean, one of the numbers that really stands out to me: 77 percent of Tank's, Tank Bigsby's yards this year came after contact. 
contact. That is a wild, <laughs> wild number. Um, so uh, to me, like uh, when I watch him, he's not like a plotter. He, he's got some juice. So if he goes and he has like a really good workout and when you pair that with how he plays through contact and you go through the film and see like, oh yeah, like this guy can, can really create some yards for himself and he's a good athlete, I think that will bode, bode really, really well um, for him as well moving forward. Absolutely. I think that's, uh, I struggled with his tape just to figure out where, what to do with him because yeah. there were so many times that you, you watch that offensive line and it, it Bigsby, it, it felt like it, it, he felt like he had to do everything himself because uh, he wasn't getting a ton of help. And so, um, yeah, there's no doubt. I think he could really, uh, r- really test well and, and impress some people with what he does. Tajay Spears, another guy I would expect to test pretty well um, based off the way that he plays. Uh, this is the running back from Tulane, had a huge season, um, was a, the AAC Offensive Player of the Year, ran for, what was it, like 200 against USC in the bowl game, goes down to the yep. senior bowl, looks good down there as well. So uh, Tajay Spears from Tulane, I would expect him to test pretty well uh, out in Indianapolis. Who's the guy that could shock us here, Dan? I think some might be surprised um, just how athletic uh, Israel uh, Abanaconda uh, is after he tests. Uh, Outstanding speed, really quick footwork in his cuts. You you see one-step burst. I think it's really going to translate well in his testing. Uh, He was a sub-11-second guy in the 100 meters and track. Uh, in high school, my main issue with him as a prospect is just the lack of contact balance. It it really bothers me. Uh, That's why – he didn't make my top 100 because of that. Uh, but you know what? The athleticism is awesome. And that's going to give him a chance to really make an impact in the NFL in the right role. So um, I think some people might be surprised with just how well the pit running back looks. Um, you know, like one guy that, that stands out in this category for me is Chase Brown because it, you know, mm. he's kind of mm-hmm. like uh, that muscle hamster build. He's five, right. nine and a half, two fifteen. So you, he's kind of unsuspecting. Um, but this kid's got a huge lower half. I think that, that that'll present, uh, in the jumps and some of the power numbers. I think he's going to run better than people think. He's got some explosive traits on film. Um, but I don't think people think of Chase Brown as like, oh, yeah, this guy's going to test really well. I, I do think he's going to look pretty good uh, from a full athlete. You know, the once, once all the drills are done and you look back and say like man like chase brown had a pretty good day uh he's a guy that i would i would expect to, to look pretty good in shorts and a t-shirt um who's a guy that where the testing should not matter as much for dan where you're like ah as long as he doesn't blow the workout uh we should be in good shape here ucla zach charbonnet uh he's not a bad athlete by any means he's just not the freak that some of these other guys are um if he runs yeah. a four five two uh, you know, I, that, that shouldn't surprise anybody. And, and I don't think that should worry you. It's just, he doesn't have as much juice in his numbers. And, uh, I think that reflects what the film says, you know, the strengths of his game are balance, vision, patience, receiving skills. That's what makes him a day two pick. And, uh, a guy that I think is going to have a high floor, uh, in the NFL. Now, if he were a better athlete, more explosive, I think we'd be talking about him as the next Nick Chubb. Uh, mm. But he's not that type of athlete, and that's why we're talking about him as you know probably a mid-day two type of pick. Uh, I don't think he's going to test bad, just don't think he's going to test great either. Um, for me, so you mentioned high floor there with Charbonnet. Another guy where I kind of think of that is Roshan Johnson from Texas. Um, yeah. the, he was, was B. John Robinson's backup there with the Longhorns, uh, a converted high school quarterback, made the move to running back a week before his freshman season and, and contributed, had seven touchdowns as a true freshman that season. And, and now a, a senior, uh, he's been a, a nice role player for them. And when you talk about special teams, where he's played almost 500 core special team snaps for them over the course of his career, pass protection, goal line, short yard. This is a big back who's got a little bit of juice. I think he's going to test better than people think. But I, at the end of the day, if he doesn't test all that well, 
I'm okay with it because the things that he brings to your program, I don't think it's all just about, oh, his 40 time and his three cone. I don't, I don't think that that's going to matter at the end of the day for Roshan Johnson. I'll, I'll be honest. I, I, I kind of expect Johnson to, to run really, really well. Like watching him mm-hmm. on some of, like as a gunner, um, some of the special team snaps, he's the first guy down there a lot of times. He, his speed is pretty impressive for a big, especially we're talking about a 225 pound back here. So yeah. I think that that might surprise, uh, and now maybe some of the, yeah, like the three cone and some of those drills maybe won't be as strong for him, but I, I think his 40 might be pretty decent. All right. So a guy that could, uh, surprise us there in Roshan yeah. Johnson, how about positional workout? Who's a guy where uh, that will matter more than most, uh, when you get to, um, whether it's pass catching drills or bag drills as a runner, uh, who's a guy that could stand out in your mind? Uh, for me, I'm going to go with Zach Evans here from Ole Miss. Uh, extremely talented athlete, should test well, uh, but it's all about translating those traits to the football field. Uh, he didn't have a ton of targets in college, so catching the ball cleanly will be important. Um, you know, it's it's about taking coaching on the field and uh, applying all those gifts to to the field. And so, I just want to be able to see that. Um, and it's not just the positional workouts with Evans. You know, the interviews, the medicals, be critical. Uh, yep. But I think he has a chance to to really show what he can do here, and that'll be important for his eval. For me, I want to look at Sean Tucker from Syracuse, who's been yeah. a really productive runner, um, but drops have been a bit of an issue for him in the past mm-hmm. game. And so uh, that will be important to see. Like, what, what value can he bring as a receiver? I think that will be big for his profile uh, and something to watch there uh, as we get into that part of the workout for Sean Tucker from Syracuse. Let's go to wide receiver. Speaking of uh, pass catchers here, uh, Dane, um, which number are you most excited to see? What's going to be the most important number uh, as we get into drills here? And, and uh, when those guys take the field, what is it on Friday? No, that would be Saturday. The wide Saturday, yeah. Yeah, it's at noon, I believe, noon Eastern. Yeah, I believe um, so. Jackson Smith and Jigba from Ohio State. Again, I feel like, you know, I mentioned this with Charbonnet. Like, this isn't a bad athlete by any means. He just doesn't have the same explosiveness or speed as other receivers on tape. And, you know, talking with teams the last few weeks, that name always pops up, Jackson Smith and Jigba, in terms of a guy that a lot of teams can't wait to see just because we haven't seen him in a while. He missed basically the entire 2022 season. Um, I do wonder if this might be a Drake London situation. Remember London last year, nursing an injury, Finally worked out in April uh, before the draft, but he didn't do any testing. He just did positional drills. And so, um, you know, he he didn't feel the need to put any uh, positional drill numbers out there and it still worked out for him. He was a top 10 pick. And so will Smith and Jigba kind of feel the same way if he's not, you know, g- getting these high numbers during his uh, testing uh, that he's doing, uh, you know, wherever he's working out. So Smith and Jigba, really good player. That's all that matters. But uh, we would really like to see what his testing numbers are as well. I want to go with another uh, potential first-round pick at receiver in Jordan Addison from USC. Um, and then mm. this is kind of twofold. Number one, I want to see how he tests, how he runs. I think that would be big for him and his profile. But then number two, I mean, he's listed. he was listed six foot 175, Dane. Uh, you know, so mm-hmm. how big is he going to be? I think that will be a big question there um, for teams when it comes to Jordan Addison. The body typing and then also the testing profile I think will be very, very big for how he is perceived moving forward. Yeah, that that's a good one. Um, uh, he He's not a big – receiver at all and I think for some teams questioning can he play outside and things like that that the the size measurements uh, that'll certainly matter all right who's gonna blow the doors off the workout if they test we're we're, I mean this could be a long conversation there's there's, I think a lot of these guys could really (laughs) shine uh Tyler Scott uh my guy from Cincinnati definitely if I had to guess (laughs) the first name you were gonna bring up I would have said Tyler Scott 
quote unquote, one of my guys this year. Um, and I, I can't wait to compare his numbers to Tyler Lockett. You know, Lockett was a four, four, zero guy in the 40, um, you know, I, I six, eight, nine and three cone. I think, you know, Tyler Scott can get there. I, it might even be uh, even better in some of the, uh, uh, you know, the vertical, the broad, I think that's where he's really going to shine Uh big time track guy in high school. So he knows how to do this. Uh, Quentin Johnson from TCU, another guy that was a big track guy in in, uh, in high school. Um, you know, he should run in the mid four fours. Should this is a guy that's six four two fifteen and should be over forty in the vert. Should be over eleven feet in the broad. Uh, I mean, Quentin Johnson really has a chance to blow things up. Um, uh, you know, Jalen Hyatt. Obviously, we know what he can do speed wise on the field. How does that translate to the forty yard dash? So yeah, there, there's you know, and we, there's a lot of track guys. You know, guys like uh, Trey Palmer from Nebraska, um, Trey Tucker, Cincinnati, Darius Davis, TCU, guys that have uh, really accomplished track backgrounds that should translate pretty well uh, to running the forty and some of these drills at the combine. I mean, Dane, you did all that, and you're—I mean, you didn't do it on purpose, obviously, but you passed the guy that I think will be in the running to have the fastest forty in the event. Uh, Andre Yoshivas from Princeton, um, yeah, oh yeah, one of the top track track athletes in America last year. Uh, he was fourth in the heptathlon. Um, uh, yeah, just insane numbers uh, overall over the course of his career as a track athlete at Princeton. That speed shows up on the football field as well. Um, I'm excited to see Andre Yosefas uh, when it's all said and done with the Princeton Tigers. So uh, he's a guy I'm certainly going to be watching. I expect him to test really, really well across the board. And again, at 6'3", 212, not a small guy whatsoever. Um, in your mind, who's another guy that could shock us with how they test? I, I think Keishon Butte, um is a guy that you know, I think we, we think of as a really good receiver um, You know, when he wants to be. Um, you know, good size player. He's also a really, really good athlete, um, and, and I think that could really impress some people. In high school, he ran a 6'9", uh, 60 meters, which you know equates to the 40-yard dash really well, and that, that's a really good number. Uh, the interviews are going to be really important for him, but I think he's also a better athlete than, uh, than, than maybe a lot of people think of, of him as. Um, for me, you mentioned Darius Davis from TCU, and he's he's very small. I mean, five eight and a half, 168 pounds. Uh, but this guy was the state champ in the 200 meter of the state of Texas, or the state of Louisiana, rather, coming out of high school. Um, he ran four eight four in the 400 meter. That was the fourth best time in the country. This kid can go, uh, and that shows up both on offense and as a returner as well. So uh, I'm going to say Darius Davis. TCU, a guy not to sleep on uh, when we get to the testing portion of the workout next week for the wide receivers. Um, who's a guy that the, the testing should not matter as much for uh, at the end of the day? You know, I think some of these bigger guys that, you know, can win with size, like a Cedric Tillman, um, I, I, I think he'll, he might run pretty decent. Um, yeah. You know, I think, you know, those linear routes is where he's pretty good. So his 40 might look pretty good. Uh, but you know, I don't, the short area quickness that that's where I have some, some, um, some question marks. So maybe the short shuttle, the three cone, maybe those won't look as impressive, but you know, understanding what he is and how he wins, I think will be important to translating those numbers. Um, Rishi Rice from SMU. Uh, I think we saw it, you see it on tape, you saw it at the senior bowl, just doesn't have, a, uh, you know, that elite speed, that elite gear. But, you know, he, he can win downfield. I, I think he, he's a ball winner. And, and so, you know, Rasheed Rice, is, you know, the interviews are going to be really important for him as well. Um, but I, even if he doesn't have, you know, these great testing numbers, I don't think it'll necessarily, uh, you know, hurt him at the end of the day when it comes to, uh, you know, just, you know, how that reflects to his tape. A couple of years ago, talking about wide receivers in this category, uh, one guy I talked about was Amon Ross St. Brown coming out of USC. 
And one player that I feel the same way about here in this class, I actually wrote down Amon Ra's name while watching this guy, and that's Xavier Hutchinson from Iowa State. Um, that's the other name I wrote down. Yeah, yeah. six two two zero seven, and you know he's a bigger body, but this kid knows how to work, how to run routes. He can create separation. He's good through contact in all phases. He plays the ball really well. Just a lot of the things that said about Amon Ra St. Brown, better juice than given credit for, but not a guy that I expect to test well. That's kind of how I feel about Xavier Hutchinson. So um, that that would be a guy that I would put into this category. How about positional workout as we can see guys throw go through like the gauntlet and run the various routes in the route tree? Uh, who's a guy in your mind that where the positional workout is really, really important? I, I can't wait to see Quinton Johnson gauntlet. Yes, uh, more drops and touchdowns this year. Uh, wow. He's a freaky athlete. I, you know, he's going to really test well, but if he drops a lot of balls during positional drills and doesn't look natural in the gauntlet, that's really going to throw a wet blanket over, uh, you know, his entire testing and, you know, going to create, or, you know, that's, it's going to kind of put a damper on things. Um, and, and then the other one I mentioned, Jalen Hyatt, we know what he can do vertically. Um, some of the, so the, the drills that require more, more movement, uh, more lateral stuff. Um, you know, that, that's something that I'm, I'm going to be watching closely as well, just to see how natural it is for him to move like that. And, you know, some of the things that are just the, the, the non straight vertical straight line routes, uh, that'll be important for Hyatt to show. Well, um, for me, you mentioned, uh, uh, Cedric Tillman earlier, another guy that I would kind of put in that same bucket, uh, Dontavian Wicks from Virginia. Uh, 6'2", 212, he's got long arms, he's got huge hands, he's got a great-looking wingspan. He's a really good-looking kid. He had school record in catches last year. Obviously, uh, it was a shortened season for Virginia last year after the tragedy that they suffered uh, on that campus. They kind of cut the football season short. Um, Wicks was not having a, a great season to begin with, uh, and drops have been a big part of that. So very similar to Quentin Johnson. I think when you look at Wicks, um, a height-weight speed guy that has some inconsistencies at different areas of his game, I think the position workout will be big for Don Pavian Wicks when it's all said and done. But to me, yeah, Quentin Johnson is the, is the headliner here in this category. I'm glad you brought Wicks up. He is one of like maybe a handful of guys for me at this point in the process, um, you know, at, at any position that I just, I am not sure what he is. He was, you know, if you watch yeah. his junior tape and his senior tape, it's night and day difference uh, with some of the stuff that they're doing. And, it really makes it tough to put a grade on him and project him. So hopefully the combine will help us. Um, you know, I think the senior bowl, he had a decent week. I don't, I don't think it was great, um, but I think it was, you know, above average. So that, that helped. And, you know, I think that, uh, you know, hopefully the combine will give us a little more, a little more clues to what type of NFL player he could be. All right, let's go to a uh, tight end. Most important number that you're most excited to see here, Dan. Darnell Washington. Um, yeah, yeah, from Georgia. You know, how much does he weigh? You know, what what does that look yeah. like? Uh, just the the exact measurements on his body, um, and, and then the workout numbers for him. You know, what what is if he comes in at two hundred and eighty pounds, what is he running? Um, you know, what 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 do we think is a good number for him for a two hundred eighty pound tight end? Um, and, and you know, not just the forty, but some of these other drills as well. So Darnell Washington, hopefully he's a full participant does everything because I, I think that'll be fascinating to see how he tests um for me i want to go to the body typing aspect and dalton kincaid from utah um mm -hmm. is a guy that you know i know in the summer or in the spring rather uh, scouts had him in like the low, the low 240s um so what is he going to look like from a body type standpoint is he going to be a little bit bigger than that uh and then how does he test off of that i'm a big fan of dalton kincaid um possibly my favorite tight end uh in this class but uh the body type i think will be big for him that'll be a number i'm anxious to see when we get to next week uh who's a guy that you expect to just test really really well when it's all said and done 
I, I mean, this is going to be the Luke Musgrave show. Uh, I, I think that there's some really good athletes in this uh, tight end class. And Dalton Kincaid is up there. Yep. Musgrave, I think, is on a level by himself. This guy was a four-sport standout in high school. Um, you know, big-time football, lacrosse. He's a champion uh, skier. And then in track, uh, he was top five in the state in the triple jump uh, at, at 230-ish pounds. Like, this guy is a big-time athlete. Uh, you see it on the field with that that one-step acceleration, the, the pure speed that he has. At the Senior Bowl, he, he became the first tight end uh, in the five years they've been tracking the, the uh, on-field speed to, to get over 20 miles an hour. Um, so with uh, the, the speed that he has, the athleticism that he has, I expect Luke Musgrave to put on a show and obviously the, the medicals will be important for him as well. Just check it on that knee, but you know what? He looked pretty good at, at the senior bowl. Didn't see any restrictions there. So hopefully he's at, he's at full go and he does everything because he can really impress with his athletic uh, gifts. I'm going to go with Will Mallory from Miami. Hmm. Um, a little bit of an undersized t- tight end, but uh, this guy's got a starting F ability uh, moving into the NFL. I really like what he can do uh, in the pass game. He moves like a receiver. Um, he gets in and out of the stance well. He's got the ability to get in and out of, out of breaks. He's got some juice after the catch. So um, to me, I, some of the run game stuff can get a little bit better, a little bit more consistent. But uh, Will Mallory, athletically, I don't think there's going to be any questions there. I think he'll have one of the better performances as a, as a tester uh, when it's all said and done. How about uh, who's a guy? Who could shock us here, Dane? Who's a, who's a name that could surprise us with how they work out? Michael Mayer. I think he's kind of taken on that role as the draft's yep. inline tight end. You know, just going to work within five yards of the line of scrimmage in the middle of the field. He's going to block, and that's it. And I, I think that he's not the athlete that Musgrave is, that Kincaid is, but he's not a he's not a below average athlete like this guy. Uh, as big as he is, I think he might surprise some people with how he works out, how he tests. I don't think we're going to see a four seven five. You know, I think we'll see a four six five or lower. Uh, you know, for a guy that is his size, and you know, like you don't on tape, you don't see a ton of separation. But this is still a really good athlete, and I think it might surprise some people just how good of an athlete he is. Hmm. Um, death taxes and Penn State players blowing up the mm. combine, Dan. Uh, how, about, how about Brenton Strange? Uh, this is a guy at uh, 6'3", 246, a junior who declared for the draft from the Nittany Lions. Um, when you watch him on film, the athleticism is there, but we consistently see players outperform uh, those expectations from Penn State. So uh, I would expect Brenton Strange to kind of follow in line there and be one of the better testers uh, at, from the tight end group when we get out to Indianapolis. He's a guy I think will test pretty well uh, at the end of the day. Um, which players should testing not matter as much for? Uh, um, I think Mayer falls in this category just because I think we have such yeah. a good idea of what he is. Um, and then uh, I was Sam Laporta. You know, he turned down his senior bowl invite. Uh, he's been prepping for the combine. So, you know, we'll see what his numbers are. I just I, I don't think he's going to be a top tester. Maybe he'll surprise and, and he will be uh, pretty impressive. I just don't see a freak athlete. Uh, with him and yeah. you know we'll have to see how that turns out it's just a really good football player um you know he, he's a top 75 pick all day and gonna gonna be a good nfl player just maybe not a freak athlete uh i was gonna go with michael mayer but you hit on all the reasons there uh for why he would be the pick uh, so i don't i don't want to be repetitive there we got plenty of other players uh to get through last one here for tight end most important positional workout uh, we'll see the tight ends obviously go through uh the gauntlet all the different routes but then also some of the blocking drills as well who are you most excited to see from a positional workout standpoint uh, I, I want to see uh, you know Tucker Craft the just you know being a smaller school guy um, 
not being at the senior bowl um, as an underclassman, just seeing him out there next to these other top guys. I still have him as a top 50 player in this draft. Um, you know, it's going to be important for him to look like he belongs. And I think he has that ability, no doubt. Um, Zach, or um, excuse me, Josh Wiley, uh, too, the Cincinnati tight end. He's going to cool. test really, really well. But he's been so inconsistent on tape as a receiver. So I think the positional work will really be important for him if he wants to be drafted in the top three or four rounds. Um, and, and then I just want to also mention um, Zach Kuntz from Old Dominion, who we won't be able to see, unfortunately, because uh, he had an ACL midseason. But uh, this guy might be the, the biggest tester of them all if he were healthy. And so just want to keep, th- keep that name in, in mind for people um, as, as we go through these tight ends. Uh, real quick for me, Braden Willis from Oklahoma, mm. um, who's kind of like a, an H-back, full-back, move tight end type, depending on your offense. Um, he's had a history of drops, though, and so that's something that just, it got corrected a little bit here this year. He was second-team all-conference. He's been a do-everything guy for them. He's a, he's a good blocker. He's used in a lot of fun ways in the run game, uh, a ton of special teams production as well. So uh, Braden Willis has a role, but I think if he can go and have a really good positional workout catching the rock, I think that will be really, really good for his draft stock as well. Um, Last group here for you, Dane. Offensive line uh, with most important number to see. And we've got a lot of players to cover here, so a lot of different directions you could go. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, I think it starts with Peter Skaronsky, Um, just how yeah. long are his arms. Um, you know, I was told by scouts when they w- visited Northwestern midseason, um, 32 and a quarter. So will he be uh, above or below that? I, I think it will be pretty close to that. Um, and you know, I, I, it'll be interesting just how, you know, what the buzz is from teams on how that, that number affects, uh, you know, with the position that he plays, where he falls on the, on draft day, that type of thing. Um, and also Broderick Jones, um, Paris Johnson is a really good, I I expect Paris Johnson to be six, six and a half and 310, 312, uh, pounds, big guy, Broderick Jones. I don't, he, he has, he carries his weight well. But this is a guy that has really fluctuated his weight in the offseason to in-season. You know, he'll go down to 280, uh, 285, and then he'll put it back on. Um, and so just getting a better sense of his body type, how long are his arms, um, things like that, I think will be really important for Broderick Jones. Yeah, I do love the fact that we'll start to get some official numbers on all the all the players now in this group, not just the, the ones that have been through uh, the all-star circuits. Skaronsky, Broderick Jones, certainly big. Paris Johnson, as you mentioned. Uh, but also be fun to relive because, uh, you know, this was something we had fun with a few weeks ago. Dewan Jones, the right tackle from Ohio State, just having, you know, uh, just mm. superhuman body type. Um, so all that stuff will resurface in terms of his arm length and wingspan and, you know, the, the biggest offensive lineman to enter the draft and yada, yada, yada. So we'll go through all of that uh, with Dewan Jones, which will, which will be fun. To see, I thought you hit uh, all the other big ones that'll be important for these guys. But uh, from a uh, entertainment standpoint, for those that weren't paying attention during Senior Bowl week, uh, Dewan Jones, the right tackle from Ohio State, is just an absolute monster. Um, so just a guy to watch out for from a body type standpoint. Who's the guy you expect to test really well, Dan? Definitely a few guys in this group. Uh, Joe Tipman from Wisconsin, yeah. uh, junior, came out early. He's my top ranked center in this draft. Um, a taller for, for a center. He, yep. he, we'll see the official measurements, but should be around uh, six, five and a half, close to six, six. Um, I, but he, he is a really good athlete. Uh, Cody Mock, uh, you know, former tight end, uh, lighter uh, than most um, offensive linemen. He should test well. But the guy that I think will really blow people away is Blake Freeland, the BYU yeah. tackle. Um, all state honors in uh, three different sports in high school, especially his most accomplished sport in high school is track. 
Um, he earned All-State honors six times. He was the Gatorade Utah uh, Boys Track uh, Athlete of the Year. Uh, swept the shot put discus and javelin at the state championships. Um, his his shot put was top five in the country, and, and shot put, you know, I think really is a is a good reflection of lower body power and and foot quickness or just overall footwork for offensive linemen. So uh, Blake Freeland, I, I think, should uh, you know really have a good week and, and test really well at the combine. Yeah, I, I had Blake Freeland written down, um, so I'm glad you hit on him. Broderick Jones, uh, just mm-hmm. known for his athleticism. We're going to hit on him a little bit later in the show with Greg uh, as well. But um, from an athletic standpoint, I would expect him to be one of the more impressive players uh, at the position. Who's a guy that could surprise us, though, with how they test? Uh, I, Darnell Wright, the Tennessee tackle. I think most yeah. people think of him as just a, a mauler, um, you know, and not a necessarily a rangy guy. But you know, this is another guy that had a really good shot put in in, in high school, and, and I think it will re- really show with his footwork, the way he moves. Um, I'm interested to see Andrew Voorhees from USC. Uh, he's a guy that's he's got some things working against him with the medicals. He's an older player, but uh, another guy that shines really well and and with you know the track numbers. Um, and according to Bruce Feldman's um, uh, freak list, uh, he, he put up 40 reps of 225. And so mm. you know, maybe Voorhees is the, the, the favorite to put up the top uh, bench press number among the offensive linemen. Um, for me, I, one guy that I think will test better than people give him credit for is Matthew Bergeron uh, mm. from Syracuse. And, um, you know, six foot five, 323 pounds. Uh, I think his best tape is as a run blocker, mm-hmm. but I think that he can get, he's got some range to him as a run blocker as well. And there's some technique things that he's got to get corrected, uh, especially early in the down, you know, some flinches and some wasted movement coming out of his stance. But uh, I don't know that that's something that's going to necessarily hurt him in the athletic testing portion. So I think if you, even if you kind of grade up some of the movement we see from him on film, and say, all right, well, if we don't see that in the athletic testing, I think he'll test a little bit better um, than people are, are expecting here going in. And if he does test well, I think that will bode well um, for him moving forward too. Um, which is who's a, who's a guy that could test uh, or where we're not necessarily worried about what the testing should look like. It shouldn't matter as much for this player. Two guys that I expect to be top 50 picks, Osiris Torrance uh, from Florida and Steve Avila from TCU. Um, these guys are, uh, they're not bad athletes, Um they just, uh, they, I think they move well in short spaces. Um, they're just maybe not the most rangy guys, uh, but they're powerful. Um, there, there's a lot to their game that translates to the field that maybe won't show up in their testing numbers. So um, regardless of, of what they do, I, I won't be worried about it. They've got good tape. They're, they're NFL starters as rookies. And like I said, I expect both to be top 50 picks. Yep, uh, Steve Avila was the first name I had written down. A guy that I just uh, watching on like NFL starter all day. Mm-hmm. I don't know how many Pro Bowls he's going to, but this guy's an NFL starter all day. Um, but not a plus athlete. Um, and honestly, I feel the same way about John Michael Schmitz from from Minnesota. It's a good one. Uh, I don't look at him saying like, oh yeah, this guy's gonna um, you know be a world class mover. He's not Jason Kelsey. He's far from it. Um, but I think that this is a guy that that just has an NFL starter written all over him um, from everything from a from a. Uh, technique standpoint, to a tenacity standpoint, just the way that he plays the game. Uh, I feel really good about his transition to the NFL. Last question for you here, Dane, uh, before we cut you loose. Most important positional workout all in the offensive line. Who are you most excited to see go through bag drills uh, when they take the field in Indianapolis? Uh, yeah, there's so, so many different guys we can mention here. Um, uh, but this is where I did want to mention Dewan Jones. Um, you know, we only saw him that one day at, at the Senior Bowl uh, uh, before he was uh, uh, done for the week. So seeing him back out there, hopefully, um, at the Combine, 
just to see how he moves. Um, you know, I think that'll be important. I will see if he tests, um, you, you know, remember Orlando Brown had a legendarily poor testing. Um, you know, Dewan Jones is for a mammoth human. How does he test? But then more importantly, how does he, how does he look in the position workouts? Um, and then the other guy I wanted to mention, Jalen Duncan from Maryland. Oh, you stole it from him, man. That was a great name. Yep. <laughs> well, and you know, I, I'm sure we'll say the similar things. I, I, I think based on tape, this guy, I, I he, he's a day three pick. Uh, you know, like I think you see the athleticism, but the tape is not strong. Um, it bothers the heck out of me that his three worst games were against the three best opponents on on the schedule uh, with Ohio State, Michigan, and Penn State. Really struggled in those games. So, but you know what? Some teams will look at the athletic testing and say, "Hey, you know what? This man, top two rounds, yeah, we'll take a chance." Uh, but I think the positional drills will be really important for him uh, to to convince a team to do that. It can't just be the athletic testing; it has to be how he looks and uh, some of the the position stuff. Yeah, uh, he's a guy absolutely, and this is, I think this is a theme for me is um, you know some of the guys that are underperformers, you know maybe where like the traits don't always match the productivity on tape. Uh, I kind of want to see how those guys look in drill work. Is, is that something they can kind of carry over um, to you know not necessarily just like the athleticism, but you know going through and asked to do football movements and football things. Um, how do they take the coaching out on the field? We've seen mm. guys that you know get asked to do the same thing two three times over the course of a, a rep before they just get tossed from the drill. Um, I, I'm excited to see some of these guys, and Duncan would be one of them, uh, go through offensive line work. Because I, I liked his film as a junior, knowing, hey, like this guy gave up a lot of pass rush production. Uh, yeah. I think, you know, let's see if he can come back here this year. And um, again, I think I said this, was it last week on the show, or maybe the week before, where if you are someone that like really follows the uh, the PFF like pass protection numbers, not everybody like takes them, you know, super seriously. But those are not kind to Jalen Duncan uh, at all. Uh, they have him credited for 14, 18, 19 sacks given up over the course of his college career, seven uh, this year as a senior. So, um, you know, again, uh, some people will say to take that with a, a grain of salt. Um, one thing you can't deny, I mean, 31 penalties in his career, right? There's just uh, a, a lot that you look at and say, like, oh, like I, I, I don't know if I, if I could spend a high pick uh, on this player. But um, looking at the drill work, uh, I think it will be big for him uh, moving forward. So, Dane, that's a lot of players we just covered. we got a lot more to cover with Ben here in the next segment, but uh, I'm sure we'll be catching up with you next week out in Indianapolis. Thanks for joining us here on the Journey to the Draft podcast presented by LifeBrand. All right, as we now transition to the defensive side of the football, as we welcome in Ben Fennell to go through uh, all these different superlatives with the, uh, getting, with the combine in mind, Ben. And we're going to do the same categories that we did with Dane. Uh, and we're going to start with edge rushers. So my question now for you. Which number will be most important to see from the edge rusher group here? And obviously, uh, we know that's a, a big topic of conversation around combine time is uh, they split these guys up into DL and LB. So those edges are, are going to split between those two groups. But uh, this will be the first group we see on the field at Lucas Oil Stadium next Thursday afternoon. I think the best number and the most important number is going to be that vaunted three-cone time. That it's a great projector of NFL excellence. If you get under that 6-9 time, I think it's 6-8-9. Our good buddy Josh Norris does a great job of tracking that. That's one of the premier testing events for edge rushers in the NFL. I think it does a great job of showing the short area quickness, the change of direction, the lean and bend, as you then have to work forward and then laterally as well, the change of direction, the burst to close. It's a great projector as far as rushing the quarterback and you know maybe getting some production at the next level. 
level. It doesn't, you know, round out your evaluation. It doesn't, you know, stamp your evaluation with a, a headliner, but it's a great, you know, uh, predictive tool uh, that over the past, you know, 5, 10, 15 years has really produced some of the best NFL players. Yeah, and you know, is there is there a specific player that you're most excited to see in terms of from that standpoint? I know for me, like another number um, that from an individual prospect standpoint that I think will be important will just be like, what does Nolan Smith like weigh in at? You know, we we have some of the measurements from last spring, but what does that official number look like for Nolan Smith? Obviously, he's been uh, rehabbing from that injury they sustained uh, in October, so uh, that will be interesting to see just what Nolan Smith looks like from a body type standpoint. Not being able to see him down at the Senior Bowl last month. Yeah, I think some of the heavier edges, you know, the Keon White's pushing over 280, Miles Murphy, Tyree Wilson's going to be 275, and just seeing how they move and how they test. So I think the smaller guys, the Nolan Smiths and P.J. Ojolari's and Will McDonald's are going to look great out there. But I think some of the bigger guys, that when you can get that weight and mass really moving, as we've seen the past few years with, you know, Trayvon Walkers and guys like that that have just blown us away with their testing and movement abilities. I want to see if there's any real freak shows in the group, and there might be a couple. All right, let's go to uh, our next category here. Who's going to blow the doors off the workout uh, if they test? Obviously, we're a week out now, um, so we're not sure exactly who's definitely in, who's definitely out. But uh, as we sit here today, who are you expecting to just blow the doors off the workout? Well, I think it's Will McDonald. I think the, the loose, long, rangy, undersized defensive end. Undersized by weight, but he certainly has the length. And then Tyree Wilson, who I think is going to be the darling at nearly 280 pounds, maybe 275, will be this year's Trayvon Walker. And everything that he does, he's going to be explosive. He's going to look fluid in space. He's going to look long while he does it. And every bag he touches is going to have a dent in it afterwards. So I think he's going to have a really fun workout to watch. Uh, another guy for me to watch is uh, App State pass rusher Nick Hampton. Um, you know, what does he weigh in at? We'll see. He was in like the mid 220s uh, last spring for scouts, but uh, this is a guy that's going to jump through the, jump through the roof. Um, I, I would expect, especially based off film study, and that's that kid's going to test like a freak uh, next week. So uh, I'm anticipating a really impressive day from Nick Hampton from Appalachian State, a guy that we did not get a chance to see at the Senior Bowl. Uh, he was able to he was ba- he backed out unfortunately, but I think when you look at Nick Hampton, uh, he is a guy that. Uh, I'm definitely excited to see work out in shorts and a T-shirt in Indianapolis. Um, who's the guy that could shock us with how they test, Ben? Yeah, I think it's going to be Miles Murphy out of Clemson, who I think a lot of people think is just a power player setting physical edges and kind of beating up tackles with his hands, which he does do you know, exceptionally well. But I think he's going to look really good and explosive in some linear fashion. I think he's going to run a good 40. He's going to jump out the building and might look a little more fluid than people think. I know he's got some tightness in the lower half, not really a high side, flip the hips type of you know, a speed rusher, but a guy that wants to go from A to B with power moves. I think that's just his attitude and his uh, intensity in the way he plays. He wants to fight you on the way to the quarterback and play in the run. doesn't mean he's a bad athlete. He makes a lot of plays out to the sideline, the numbers, and I think you're going to see some of that wow movement in space that you maybe didn't see in the Clemson scheme all the time. I think it's going to be fascinating because we're going to be able to now like kind of compare these heavy ends you've talked about. You know, Tyree Wilson, uh, 6'5", 275. Miles Murphy, 6'5", 275. Lucas Van Ness, who's my pick here for the guy that could shock us, uh, 6'5", 275. Lucas jo- or DJ Johnson from Oregon, 6'4", 275. Zach Harrison, 6'5", 270, right? Like all of these guys, we got so many big ends in this class. I'm excited to see who kind of stands out. For me, I think it will be Van Ness. I, I think he's got um, some more of those explosive traits on 
film, uh, those A to B rushes that really, really stand out. Uh, we've seen him drop a little bit in it at times as well. Van Ness is the guy that I'm really excited to see. I, I think he could uh, impress us with what he does, uh, especially from a jump standpoint, that 10-yard split. Um, some of those straight line tests I think will play in Van Ness's favor. Um, who's a guy that, you know, based off film study, you're like, you know what, I'm not really all that concerned with how this guy tests just because the, the, the film kind of speaks for itself. You know, in an interesting conversation, I think that's Lucas Van Ness, to be honest with you. You know, I think he yep. could shock us in how he tests, but I don't know if it matters that much. He, I don't think he's going to be a player that's projected to be a 4-3, excuse me, a 3-4 odd front outside linebacker and let's see how his movement skills are and if he has the true speed to zone drop and do things. No, this is a power player that wins a brute strength and wants to go right through you in every facet of his football acclimate so I think he's a guy that I don't know if it really matters that much if he doesn't run a great 40 because he's going to be a power three tech you know at the next level or I don't care right. if he jumps through the building because he's going to set violent edges on early downs as a four three base end so I don't know if this is a particularly you know an event for him as much as he may impress us in certain drills outside the bench press as uh, I think we're all expecting him to to rock that bar uh, you know nearly 30 times but Van right. Ness I don't think it's imperative for him to, to look like a freak out there. Yeah, it's going to be uh, really fun to be able to see what this guy does. Um, but to your point, I think you could say the same thing that we're saying about Van Ness, we would say about Murphy, we say about Wilson, right, is that um, kind of the proof is in the pudding with what they put on tape, um, and then the athletic stuff might be just kind of the cherry on top. Um, but I, I think it will be interesting to see how those guys, just to be able to compare them kind of apples to apples across a number of those tests. Um, for me, I think uh, I mean, you start at the top and you just look at Will Anderson and say, all right, well, do we need to see him go through the full gamut of tests? Like, do I care what Will Anderson's three-cone time is, what his 40 time is? Yes, it's great to have that info. Um, I, to me, the most important number is, like, what does he weigh in at? Um, I I think that will be big, but uh, you know, we'll talk about that. I think a little bit later in the show with Greg. But I think at the end of the day, um, this is going to be a. Uh, I don't know that that's going to move the needle in terms of all. Oh, well, all right, yep, lock it in. Will Anderson definitely a top five pick now based off what he does in Indy. Uh, I don't know if that one matters to me as much. Yeah, I completely agree. There, he's put enough on tape in three years in the SEC that you know he checks all the boxes he needs to. And I think that's the interesting part about this time of year when you have guys that have played two, three, maybe even 4,000 snaps at this point, that all of a sudden you get in shorts and a T-shirt and you rip the page and say, okay, what you do in Indy now defines you. Right. Yep. Don't get confused. This is still 5% of the equation. Don't let it be more. These guys have played a lot of football. Judge their football. And, yes, there's some scheme usage and roles and assignments and uh, you know quality of teammates and talent of opponent and things like that that you can't control and obviously which make – these players so unique, but it doesn't take away from their football DNA, and that's what they put on tape for all these years. All right, well, let's go with our last one here for the edge group. Most important position workout. You referenced uh, Tyree Wilson leaving dents in the bags. Is there a guy that um, you're just <laughs> most excited to see go through all the bag work and all the drill work out on the turf? You know, I, I really like the hoop drill. Uh, the figure eight drill out there. I think that's really important for this edge rush group. You can see the acceleration. You can see the bend uh, out there. And I think there's some guys that have some question with some, you know, hip stiffness and, you know, some guys that maybe want to go right through you. Like I was just talking about Miles Murphy. So I really want to see that figure eight drill and some of these bigger guys, once again, to see, can you lean and bend high side, the Keon Whites of the world, the Miles Murphy, how well does Tyree Wilson look, you know, exploding through that figure eight out there. So I think there's a couple of guys out there are going to be perked up on that uh, high side rush drill, as we call it. 
You know, the one guy that I'm excited to see go through that is uh, Isaiah Foskey because he's one of these bigger ends that um, we've talked, you know, he's, look, he's listed 6'5", 260, right? I mean, he's a bigger guy. He's got longer arms. Um, but I, I went back to thinking about, like, Brian Burns when I, when I watched him on film just because he's got some of those kind of freaky movements. But for a guy that big to move that well, uh, I think is really impressive. So he's another guy that I think could, could kind of surprise us and take us off guard in terms of what he does from a testing standpoint. But even just looking at that drill that can, you know, unearth some of that lower body stiffness, um, I think Foskey is a guy that could do well and at 260 to do well in that figure eight drill I think would be really impressive. He's a good athlete. Measured 262 at the, the senior a few weeks ago he plays really hard has played all over that defense I'm blanking he uh, had a huge force fumble where he ran back 20 30 yards to end the season against somebody mm. I'm just blanking on who it was but uh, that'll come to me at some point yeah, no, he's. Uh, I had a lot of fun studying Foskey on tape, not just this year, but even last summer as well. Um, he's a really good player. Let's go now to the interior guys. Ben, is there an individual measurement um, that you're most interested to see when it comes to these uh, defensive tackles? I think one of the headliners of this whole week is going to be the Kalijah Kansi experience. Yeah, no doubt. You know, how big, how heavy, how long, um, how unique is he to be an exception? And who do you think he reminds you of? Is he, you know, the... Mike Daniels type of guy? Is he a Sheldon Day, a Sheldon Rankins? Is he that next Aaron Donald, the undersized guy out of pit? Or is he a Jalen Twyman, who was also an undersized guy out of pit a few years ago? So mm. uh, you can always always have to point to the perennial perennial Hall of Famer in Aaron Donald there. But Clyde Jacancy, I don't think that's going to surprise anybody. A lot of people want to see uh, how he tests and how he measures. Yeah, I, that was the first one that came to my mind as well, is um, what does Cancy weigh in at? Is, is, is he 295? Or is he 280? Right? I, I'm fascinated to see where he comes in at. On the other side of the spectrum for me is like, how big is Apu Ika from Baylor? Right? How, how big is Siaki Ika? I'm fascinated to see um, just not just how big he is, but then ultimately what does he test at at that size? We saw Jordan Davis just like tear the house down with how he tested last year at that size. I don't think Ika will do that kind, have that kind of workout, but I'm interested to see what he measures in at, what he looks at overall, or what he looks like overall from a body type standpoint. Um, remember. Like, you know, we laugh at it now, but like Danny Shelton went in the top 15. Um, there was, uh, we've seen other big hulking nose tackles go high up in the draft. Um, so I'm interested to see where Ika ultimately lands. And I think the combine uh, could have some impact uh, on that when it's all said and done. Um, who's the guy that you think will blow the doors off the workout if they do test when you look at these interior guys? Well, this might not shock anyone that really follows the, the popular, uh, buzzes around college football and the articles and it's got to be Michigan defensive tackle Mozzie Smith who is the number one freak list player on Bruce Feldman's list over the summer go check out that article always great to reference back to because he put on some freak show workouts for that program and it's all sorts of change of direction drills quick feet drills strength drills I think you're really going to see that this week and from what I'm hearing he's 315 320 pounds he's going to put on show in Indianapolis with his light typewriter feet and a strong uh, you know, upper half and a strong core, a strong lower half. He's going to be an interesting player to evaluate. I know some off-field hiccups to kind of sort through, but he's a really interesting player. Uh, one guy I'm going to go with, and you know, this was a, this was a tough one because you know I don't know that Jalen Carter is definitely going to work out. I would expect obviously he's go, he's going to test well if he play if he tests right. I mean, this is a guy that uh, just looks he's so unbelievably disruptive, so fast off the ball. That's kind of a low hanging fruit answer. Um, so for me, Colby Wooden from Auburn, staying in the SEC, six five, two eighty five. He's got some D end uh, D tackle flex. He was actually an outside linebacker when he first got to campus and continued to put on weight. And he's been so productive, so disruptive for that team whenever 
wherever he's been on the field. But uh, he wins with that initial quickness and that explosive burst. He's got lateral juice as well. So uh, Colby Wooden from Auburn, he's a guy that I would expect to test very, very well uh, when it's all said and done out in Indianapolis. Who's a guy that could shock us, uh, in your opinion, Ben, in terms of what they put on tape? You know, we're going to go with two guys, and I think they're going to look very different out there in that group. They aren't going to be too far apart uh, as far as I can predict with the alphabetical order in the interior tackle group. That's going to be Gervon Dexter, big, tall, long basketball player body from Florida. I think he has really good feet, plays with a great balanced base, and I think he's going to look pretty good out there in a straight line and moving around. And then the Atabari kid from Northwestern who's a much different profile. He's kind of a stump at just over 6'1", 285 pounds, but he's very long. He is very explosive, though, too, Fran. So he's another guy you want to go back and look at that Freakless article because it has his jumps from the summer. You know, a 10'5 broad at 285 is ridiculous. Almost a 38-inch vertical is ridiculous. So that was the, last the summer. Sh- the, sh- the shuttle times that they had for him in there, the, so 6'9 six, six, and 3 cone, cone at 280. 4'5 short shuttle. Those would be the best of any interior defensive lineman in the last 10 years drafted. So I'm so, sitting here um, with my hands together saying, like, all right, let's go. Let's see what he can yeah. do out there. So he's an interesting player. And collectively, I tweeted this out yesterday, I love that profile. The short yeah. base guy, the short length guy, or excuse me, the short you know frame guy. Because typically that means you're a little more compact. You have a little bit more filled out lower half, which means you play with a stronger, more balanced base, stay on your feet more. But you also have length. He has long arms. That's very much his profile. It's a profile of Derek Hall as well. I love Mm. NFL players like that. And I remember I brought that up to you a month or two ago on the uh, All or Nothing series. They were talking about Nick Bosa. And then said, no one talks about how short his legs are and how short his profile is. so hard to knock off balance, off his base. Look how big his quads are. Having balanced base and a strong lower half sets you up to win up the field and with your hands. And I think uh, Adabare is really going to shock us. May not be the body type you really like, but, man, he's going to be very impressive out there using the explosive movements. Two guys that stand out in my mind uh, off memory where I'm like, oh, yeah, like short but long arms, um, Carl Lawson and Aziz Ojolari. Yep. Um, yep, two, two guys that kind of fit, the, that, fit that profile. Um, for me, I, I actually wrote down Jervon Dexter was my first name, but another, game, another guy that uh, I wrote in because I do, do think Dexter is going to uh, impress really well. How about one of the guys that seemed to shine during the week of practice down in Mobile at the Senior Bowl, Keanu Benton from Wisconsin, uh, whose yeah. kind of build is, uh, you know, run stuffing, nose tackle, Big Ten. But he, uh, this guy's got disruptive traits as well. Would not shock me if he came and tested better than a lot of people think. So uh, he's a guy I, I'm interested to see what he looks like in shorts and a T-shirt. I have a slightly well. better grade on him than I did Fedarian Mathis last year. He went in the second right. round. Like around, yep. And I thought Benton had a much better Senior Bowl week and showed a lot more upside as a pass rusher. Don't be alarmed to see his name called, you know, early on day two and that kind of 30 to 50 range in there. I don't know if you remember who my comp was for him. I felt really, really good about it. It hit me over the head as I was watching him. Uh, another former Big Ten lineman, in Austin Johnson, who he ended up going late round one, if I remember right, to, to the Tennessee Titans. I think he went like 30. Uh, or he went, he went somewhere in the 30s, I'm almost positive. It might have been uh, early Johnson day two, but I remember that. Yeah. I remember Austin kind of coming out of left field out of Penn State that year. I don't know if he was off an injury or something, uh, but yep. it was kind of a surprise pick out there. And ended up being a pretty nice player for the Titans those first few years. Yeah, he, he the, watching Benton uh, really brought me back to studying Johnson when he came out uh, of yep. Penn State. Um, which player should testing not matter as much for, Ben? You know, I hate to go with another callback here, but it's Yaka Ica. You know, yep. I just don't know what he's going to prove in his 40. What is he going to prove in a 
three cone? What's he going to prove in the wave drill and running the hoop or even running club where you go through a series of pass rush moves, you do a spin, you do a, a slap rip, and then you kind of change directions. I don't see him doing any of that in the NFL, and that's not what I need him to do. It's not what he wants to do. Um, this really isn't an event for him as far as, you know, the on-field combine and the underwear Olympics out there. So he's going to rock the bench press. You know, let's see if maybe he has some explosiveness on a broad jump out there. But other than that, I don't care what he does out there. You kind of know what he's going to be at the next level, a two-gapping nose tackle. It's going to be really hard to move. You know, lock in a Vita Vea type of projection, and I'll right. just see yep. what type of uh, draft capital somebody wants to spend on him. For me, I kind of took a different spin on the question because I feel like there's so many other things that are important for Brian Brezzi uh, here the, this week in Indianapolis that I'm not necessarily worried about like the testing as much. I, obviously, the medical is going to be such a big deal um, for Brezzi, having suffered a couple season-ending injuries over yeah. the course of his season or of his career with Clemson. But 6'5", three, 310 pounds, you and I both are big fans of Brian Brezzi. There's going to be other factors from a medical standpoint in play when it comes to his draft prognostication and his projection uh, in this class. Um, last one here for the interior. D lineman most important positional workout because um, I'm going to have a call back for a guy that you talked about earlier who, who do you have in mind here you know I think it's some of these guys that have some positional flex I just don't know how great of athletes they are so mm. that's like a Colby Wooden at Auburn a, a Tui Peloto at USC I think they're good football players and they can do a lot they can play five tech to three tech to one tech literally on any given down so don't know if they're great athletes or not and you know how well they can really excel at the next level and um, if they can maybe play in space and do some things like that. So guys that have done a lot of different things in college I think are good football players. Now let's just see if they're good athletes. Yeah, mm. uh, I think that's a, a really good point, especially when you talk about the position flex uh, of the guys that are in this class. Um, for me, you know, when we talk about like the uh, positional testing uh, or the positional workout, I should say, the one of the big groups of guys that I'm always interested to look at are the guys that you know didn't put up big numbers, right? Because it's like, all right, well, uh, if the athletic testing is there, that's a, a story you can tell, right? But if the guy looks really good in the positional workout as well, you're like, all right, like well, let's see what he looks like, uh, you know, in this system. I find Mozzie Smith to be such a fascinating profile because, as you mentioned, I mean, this is a guy that's a freak athlete. He was number one on Bruce Feldman's freak list. He started each of the last two years for Michigan up front. And that front, I mean, they, they had the number two pick and a guy that should have was also a top 40 pick a year ago along that defensive line. Ben, he doesn't have a full sack to his name in his career. He's got 0.5 sacks uh, career as, as a defensive lineman. That would be less than anybody drafted as an interior D tackle uh, in the last decade. Everybody has had at least one sack to their resume. Mozzie Smith has, does not have one. So I think that that's going to be fascinating to see like uh, how he's viewed. Despite the athletic traits, the production was just not there for Mozzie Smith. So uh, I'm fascinated to see him kind of go through the workout. What does he look like uh, doing the, the non-athletic? athleticism things and just you know going through and, and doing football drills uh, I think that will be big for him when it's all said and done as and well. And when you raise these types of questions which are healthy to have in draft and evaluation circles don't look for the singular answer and there isn't going right. to be a singular answer at the combine or in interviews so it's a variety of things you know his second reaction rushes stall out a bit I got news for you Aiden Hutchinson and Ojabo stole some sacks from him too Yep. I also saw him win initially off the ball. The quarterback moves one step, and he flew right past him. So you see some initial good you know, surge and some good pass rush moves initially off the ball, just maybe doesn't have that change of direction you know, higher up in the pocket. So there isn't going to be a singular issue why he doesn't have that production. It's going to be a variety of things, but it's certainly questions to ask, certainly you know, questions to maybe provoke on an on-field workout in an interview. 
Let's go to linebacker. Uh, which number are you most important? You think it's going to be most uh, important to see here when we get to next week from this linebacker group? Well, I think it's got to be some of the linebacker speed. You know, some really good football players and Ivan Pace and Jack Campbell. And I like Toyo Toyo. I think he's a good football player. He's athletic. Just want to see how athletic. Noah Sewell. Yep. You know, this guy gets that 250 pounds moving. He's explosive and can run. Does he have enough start-stop with that, you know? So I think there's some guys that are going to have some linear speed. I have some concerns about start-stop speed. And then don't be surprised to see a couple linebackers, maybe you do not too familiar with their names, really impress you this week too. I think it's a huge opportunity for some kind of middling day three guys to really make a name for themselves. I like that. All right, we'll get into some of those names here in a second. Uh, for me, um, Jack Campbell, we talked about this last week with Greg. The, the tape's awesome. You, all three of us, uh, you, I, Greg, are all on the same page there with Jack Campbell. But, you know, if he runs four seven eight, like that's, that's going to be a huge anchor. Uh, on his draft, uh, on his yeah. draft valuation. So uh, I think if you're if you can get into the four sixes, like low, if he runs four six two as opposed to four seven eight, uh, I think that that's that, that means that's huge, huge, huge for his draft implications. Um, and if he, obviously if he does higher than that, it would be even better. But at six four two forty eight, this is a big boy. Um, but he sees the game so well. He's so he plays so so fast. Um, but what does he time in at? Um, that that would be really important to see. Uh, to your point about these top end speed for these backers. Um, who's a guy that uh, you think quick, is with Jack Anderson? Through? I put an asterisk into his report this week that. If Blake Corum didn't break him off like he did, which oh yeah, I got, that got was actually got. a game I watch, a play I watch. Yes, Fran, he got got, he got got. Yeah, you know, he Blake Corum's a really yeah. good player. He got in got, yeah, yeah, in, right in the hole, broke his ankles badly and scored a touchdown yep. right on his face. If that play didn't happen, I think he has a little bit of a different narrative, and that mm. was brutal. That was a tough one, and that's like kind of defining his, you know, his profile right now. And everyone I talk to on Twitter now has all these athleticism concerns, and believe me. It's the first play everybody wants to throw in your face with any sort of Jack Campbell love. And I just try to balance that out. I put that one clip of him running with Charlie Jones on a little start-stop jerk route in the middle of the field. This kid can play. And listen, Blake Corum's a good player out there, right? They, he got him, too, a couple times uh, as well in the hole. So um, good players each, you know, get their opportunities. Uh, who's the guy that you expect to test really well uh, next week? Well, I think the low-hanging fruit, Trent, Trenton Simpson, is going to look great yeah. out there. You know, he's long, he's rangy, he's explosive, he's loose, he's fast, he's quick, he's balanced, he's good start-stop. He's going to look great out there. This is like this is one of those guys that the event was made for. You know, he's going to look outstanding. What do you do with Trenton Simpson, Fran? I have no idea, and I'm not trying right. to dive into that right now. I actually just rewatched him the other day. He's playing nickel, defensive end, Mike Will, played top-down early in his career. I have no clue, and he might be a bust for all I know. He almost does too many things that I don't know what he does exceptionally well or where I'm playing him, but save that for another day. But two guys I think are really going to blow the doors off as well, Shaka Hayward and Dalen Henley. Washington State converted receiver from Nevada. Yep, Shaka right. Hayward is really long and loose from Duke. He's a fun player out there. And you're going to learn some new names out in Indianapolis. I think this linebacker group – after those first couple is open season for who's going to go there on day two and day three. Yeah, Diane Henley's a, a fun player. He's a fun watch. Even if like there are obviously holes in his game, a guy that's new to the position, um, so he's still coming along there from like a, a play recognition standpoint. But he plays with so much energy. He's a, a really fun player to watch uh, on tape, and also a very extensive uh, special teams background as well, yeah. uh, which you love to see. Um, yeah. 
For me, I want to go Ivan Pace, uh, Cincinnati. He's gonna if he gets drafted, which we assume that he's going to, just because I don't I don't think the depth in this linebacker class is all that great. Um, but I, so I do think he's gonna get drafted at the end of the day. But five ten and a quarter, he'll be the shortest linebacker drafted in the last decade. Um, so very much undersized. I, I'm expecting him to test well. I don't know what the 40 is going to look like, but I think everything else is going to look pretty good um, at the end of the day for uh, for Ivan Pace. He's a guy I'm excited to see test uh, when we get to uh, the, the turf there at Lucas Oil Stadium. Who's a guy that could shock us with how they test? You meant, uh, mentioned Shaka Hayward uh, and Diane Henley. Is there anybody else that kind of comes to mind there? You know, I know the a lot of the conversation is around, let's see Jack Campbell run. Will he run fast? How is he going to look? I got news for you folks. I think he's going to blow us all away with his testing. I think he's an exceptional athlete, and I think when you dig into his track background in high school, his high school basketball, and then when you talk to people around the program, around his coaches, around him, he is an exceptional athlete. And I know he got got in the hole. Listen, he got got by a great running back. Doesn't mean he's not an athletic linebacker. I really think he's going to blow some of us away and be mm. right in that Leighton Vander Esch type of ballpark of maybe jumping 38, 39 inches. Let's see high four sixes right at four seven, which asterisks, I don't care what he runs. He run four nine two and it probably wouldn't change my opinion of him as a football player, but I think he might impress us a little bit more than we think. All right. So I got two names for you here. Uh, one, you will say Fran, like there's no way you can count this guy as like a guy that would shock us. And that's Owen Popo. Uh, just because people aren't really talking about Owen Popo, a linebacker from Auburn. He's actually a four-year starter, um, and he was on the freak list as a top ten freak athlete this year. Um, Bruce Feldman had him in the low four threes in testing. So um, you know, we'll see if that, if that comes to fruition. Um, but one guy I've got that's off the radar a little bit here. Uh, undersized pass rusher Yazir Abdullah from Louisville. Uh, this nice. is a guy that was uh, one of the uh, the sprinters on his track team uh, around the hundred meter and the two hundred meter at Carroll City High School in Miramar, Florida. Um, you know he comes from an NFL family or from a football family. His dad uh, playing collegially at the University of Florida as well. Um, this guy's played a ton of football for Louisville. Has been an undersized pass rusher for them. Nineteen and a half sacks in the last two years combined. Um, but he's also created a bunch of forced fumbles. He's created interceptions, pass breakups. He's been all over the stat sheet. Uh, Yazir Abdullah. I don't know if he's a Sam backer, if he's going to have to make the transition to play a more off ball. He was at the Shrine Bowl, um, but this guy's got four, over 40 starts in his resume. Uh, he's a guy I'm excited to see test. I think he could impress us with how he My moves My comp for him, Fran, is actually Derek Barnes. Sure. Uh, came yeah, out yeah. of Purdue yeah. a few years ago. And I'm Purdue, just looking yeah. at his profile here and my notes on him. I don't remember watching him, but apparently I did. 10 500 meter kid, 21 2, yep. 200 meter, over 500 special team snaps, played a lot of receiver in high school, tons mm-hmm. of forced fumbles for this year, seven in his career, 59 QB pressures this year. I just mm-hmm. remember watching him and not knowing what to expect positionally. I thought he was an off ball backer initially, and he really yep. plays as that like weird kind of overhang outside linebacker, defensive end, uh, does a lot of what we call fallback technique, where he's a D end, and then they say hike, and he kind of drifts to the second level. So a little bit, you know, inadequate at the point of attack at times. But he's a really good athlete. That's kind of how you ha- tap into people to being good athletes. You know, that's the way Boye Mafe played at Minnesota. You know, Mafe was a little bit more 6'3", 6'4", but um, similar profile there too. Let's go uh, to our next one here. Which players should testing not matter as much for, Ben? Not matter as much for the linebacking group. You know, I think, you know, guys like uh, Drew Sanders, I think has done enough, you know, in that Arkansas and even in his Alabama career um, that I think he's probably going to profile a little bit more as a Sam linebacker. He can maybe be a, 
Kyler Fackrell type at the next level, or he's tall, he's long, he's really powerful at the point of attack, and he's he's a good athlete. You know, or maybe a Troy Anderson that came out last draft at a Montana State. Kind of looks like a Troy Anderson, being six five, but plays off ball and coming off the edge out there. Really good football player. Just may not be the the event for him. I don't know if he's going to jump through the roof. I don't even know if he's that fast, but he's a really good, tough football player. For me, like it's Henry Toyo Toyo from Alabama. You mentioned him at the very top of the segment. Like, um, you know, I'm not expecting Henry Toyo Toyo to go out and run four five, but uh, he's gonna. You go out, you you get the requisite. You hit hit four seven, right? Hit four seven flat. Uh, make everybody say, all right, just check the box. He's not the slowest guy on planet Earth, but he's not the fastest. Um, but this guy plays so well. He's so aggressive. He's so technically sound. He's such a good tackler. He's a captain of the defense. He's gonna wear the green dot on Sundays. Like all that stuff will make you feel good about. Okay, uh, let's let's put the rest of it to rest. Um, you know, and, and feel good. We can move to the next step here for Henry Toyo Toyo. Um, so that's what I'm excited to see. There. Most important positional workout at linebacker. Now, when you say positional workout, are you saying a, a particular positional drill workout or a player to have that workout? A player going through that workout. So maybe it's the drill. You know, hey, look, I, I'm excited. You mentioned like the figure eight drill for pass rushers. Yep. Um, who's a guy that we're excited to see go through that drill? Um, but well, I'll let you kind of take your spin on it. You know, I think there's a couple guys that are going to test very quickly in a linear fashion. A guy like Noah Sewell, I think when he gets that 250 pound frame rolling, Man, he really picks up steam. But I need to see him in, like, the shuffle, sprint, change of direction drill yeah. where you're going through bursts of explosiveness. But you need to then throttle down and have balance and start-stop ability and change of direction. That's really linebacker play. Short bursts of energy, short bursts of explosive short area quickness with balance. And it's getting from A to B, then being balanced and being able to shoot your hips and tackle ball carriers or getting from A to B or reacting to misdirection or retreating. It's not just about running 40 yards in a straight line. So guys that I think will run well, I want to see how they also throttle down that speed. Uh, and for me, too, I actually wrote down Noah Sewell as well. And just to kind of piggyback off you, um, he's a guy I expect to do the full gamut of positional workout drills. Like he's going to do stuff dropping in reverse. He's going to do all the pass rush drills as well. Uh, how does he look uh, in all of those drills? I think that will be big for him as well because we know um, what he can do coming after the quarterback. Uh, he's been used in a lot of different ways over the course of his career at the University of Oregon. Let's go now to corners in the and, secondary. And real, real quick, Fran, the, the position groups that are out so far, that D-line group, gets split up, as you had mentioned, into D-tackles, D-ends. The linebacker group is one group. But if you'll notice on the initial list, there's a couple linebackers in there that maybe should be D-ends. Will yep. Anderson, linebacker. Yep. B.J. Ojolari, linebacker. So there may be some guys at defensive end that you're wondering, where are they when they're working out? Going to do linebacker drills. Maybe show off some more zone drops, some more uh, drills in space. But it doesn't eliminate their opportunity to go do drills that the other positions do, as you had mentioned. So some of these linebackers, they're going to set up the pass rush drills for at the end of the workout. Same thing for the defensive ends. They're going to set up some linebacker drills for and vice versa. My, my number one thing I'm excited to see changed in the coming years uh, with the combine will be that that that, that group just getting yeah. all kind of sorted <laughs> out uh, between the D-line and linebackers. Let's go to the secondary. Uh, what, what's the most important number for you, Ben, uh, at corner? Well, some of the exceptions, and it's not necessarily how big the corners are, and there's some big ones out there. You know, the Darius Rushes and Christian Gonzalez and um, uh, Joey Porter out there, and there's some really big corners out there. And, but it's how small are the small guys? Yeah. You know, the Witherspoon, the Clark the Phillips, yeah. Manuel Forms, Cam Smith, DJ Turner, I heard is barely pushing 175 pounds. So there's some guys out there that are great cover corners. How small are we going to get out here? Because yeah. the NFL does not like small corners. 
You better be very, very special to be a first-round corner under 190 pounds, which traditionally, collectively, really doesn't happen very often. And I think the name that some people like to point to of late, you know, the Jair Alexander types, but typically you want to be 200 pounds and running four three, four fours. There's five, six corners in this draft that I think are first-round caliber, but they're small. And, you know, I think this combine and getting their weight and maybe sneaking a couple extra rocks in their pockets uh, could help them. I'm fascinated just because, the, the, conversely, like there's a bunch of these big corners in this class. I want to see how some of these suckers run, right? Like I want to see yeah. Joey Porter. I, I want to see what Joey Porter looks like. Because uh, to me, like, you know, we talk about corner all the time and say, oh, it's a stopwatch position. And, and I personally don't agree. I disagree. I say, like, yeah, to me, like, uh, long speed is one of the last things that I'm worried about at corner because I, I want to see, like, ultimately like, how he plays the position. But – I will agree that the 40-yard the dash is like a kingmaker at that position where uh, it can make or break a guy's draft stock. So you could say, okay, well, if you're talking about Joey Porter as a top 15, top 17 kind of selection, he needs to run well at 6'2", 198 in order to kind of reach that plateau. If he goes 4'5", 5", uh, I don't know that the buzz on him will still be, oh, yeah, he's a top 12 pick. Like, I don't know that you're still right. going to hear that. So um, I, I'm, I'm anticipating uh, all these big guys. You know, what, what are all those guys going to do? Um, and that's why I think separates like Christian Gonzalez, who at 200 pounds at six foot two, uh, I'd expect him to, to test well based off film study. I, I think he's going right. to look really, really good. Um, but I think, you know, the, with Joey Porter, um, you can go down the list. There's a bunch of these guys where they're kind of like bigger, longer corners. Uh, I'm laughing um, at the sentiment because it's like, oh, well, the NFL doesn't like small corners well they don't like slow corners either the other nature of it where it's easy to be six six two and 200 but they aren't taking a four six corner out there so yep. you guys better still be uh, be able to boogie at that size no doubt so uh let's go to the next one who's the guy that we do expect uh to test well i just alluded to christian gonzalez that was the name i wrote down but i'm interested to see if you if you hit gonzalez or you had other guys as well yeah let's stamp it in there because this kid's big he's long he's going to be a legit 205 plus maybe a legit 6'2 with legit track speed and he's going to look explosive in the jumps and he is going to fly he may be in the contention for fastest corner at 6'2", 205, which is insane. He has legit 100-meter speed, legit explosiveness, legit 200-meter speed. So the short stuff, the long stuff, the explosive stuff, the length, checks a lot of boxes. I have no issue comparing him to a Patrick Sertan. Mm. Uh, his um, two of his older sisters were all American sprinters in college. Uh, yeah, it's in uh, the family. Yep. So, um, yep. so he knows how to get out of the blocks. He knows how to put no on his doubt. track spikes. He's already a step ahead of the group. That that's the thing that you always remember. Like the track background kids are always the ones that have a little bit of a, mm-hmm. a, a jump here in these uh, in these drills because. The, the stuff's not foreign to them. So now they're really kind of fine-tuning and winning on the margins over the course of prep over the last few weeks, whereas other guys that don't have that track background, they're learning how to get into their stands, how to get out of their stands, how to the, all the different stages of the run, um, you know, really when to pick it up and when to raise your head and all those different right, things. Yes. Whereas well, with the rest of these guys, it, yeah. that's not going to be the case. They just kind of do it. So um, the, I think that's where a guy like Christian Gonzalez can get a leg up. Um, who's the guy that could shock us with how they test here, Ben? Oh, man, I completely missed the note here. How did we get through the whole D-line linebacker group and didn't talk Nick Herbig? Yeah, right. Yeah, that's a good one, too. <laughs> All right, but a guy that could shock us testing at the corner position, how about Kai Blue Kelly? Stanford mm. uh, cornerback. I thought he had an up-and-down week at the Senior Bowl. I thought he showed some good flashes at times. But this is a kid that has a prolific track and field background. This is a state champion long jumper two times, was second in the 200-meter, was third in the 100-meter. This is an impressive athlete. 
I know he has some issues with technique at times. I actually want to move him into a nickel safety position, which he did dabble a little bit earlier. But his best play, my comp right here is Byron Jones, who also dabbled with a little bit of safety early on, a little bit of corner. He's over six foot, 193. I want to see how he tests. Doesn't have the length profile of a Byron Jones now that we have those measurements. But I think his movement skills and his his best play, it really kind of re- resembles that. And I think he's gonna he's gonna wow us uh, with the jumps and the running. Uh, I'm laughing because of um, I was hoping that you weren't going to take my guy and you did not. Um, but do you remember when uh, it was Troy Apke, right? Who uh, who ran like the four three in Indy, yeah. and Deion Sanders was on the field. It was like you know, like just laughing at the white guy, the white DB that uh, yeah. blew the doors off the run. Dude, I think Riley Moss is going to really impress with his athletic workout. I, I don't know what the forty times going to look like. It's going to be different than Apke, um, but I think some of these other drills. He's going to test really well. I know there were some of the numbers that Jim Nagy had put out um, from down in the Senior Bowl. He was like one of the fastest players down there uh, from a GPS standpoint. This is another guy. He was a state champion uh, uh, track athlete as well, um, coming out of Centennial High School in Iowa. Uh, he recorded 42-inch vertical, 10-8 broad, so he could be impressive not only uh, in a straight line, the 40, maybe pushing 428, 429, but jumping out the building too. And 385 in the short shuttle. That's a ridiculous number. This was all, those were freakless numbers um, from Bruce Feldman last summer. And so uh, Riley Moss, uh, I think he could really, really impress um, you know, in terms of the way that he tests next week as well. And, and um, by the way, you- really quick, Fran, this is also where you know rubber meets the pavement with the freak list. So we've been yes, doing this right. for a number of years now. There's a couple programs out there I like to do a little inflating, add a couple extra decimals and digits to some of these times and knock off some. And this is where the rubber meets the pavement, where you really see which programs are calling it right or which players really fell off a cliff from last summer, too. So it's always fun to kind of reflect back on that. I have asked Bruce Feldman on this podcast in the past, like, are, do you kind of keep tabs on who are the people that have lied to you? And like, I have one main school like, friend absolutely. that I, I have completely he, tracked and narrowed that is way off every year yes he uh he's got an idea of who those people are and typically tries to not uh buy into some of the stuff they're selling but um yeah it's always interesting to kind of follow that for sure um which player should testing not matter as much for ben you know that's a good question out there you know i think there's some corners like a uh you know a devin witherspoon that i think his competitive toughness and his attitude and his alpha presence and his trash talking and the way he carries himself this is an event for him and he's a guy that beats you up in press coverage and maybe isn't an elite 438 or maybe a low 44 guy but that's okay cuz he wins with really good feet, physicality, technique, ball skills, just maybe not an event for him just to show off freak god-given ability. I don't think that's Devin Witherspoon. There's a really good cover corner out there and I think all the Jair Alexander comparisons are more than appropriate. Um, for me, you know, at this posi- in this category, I'm always looking like, all right, well, who are the guys that are just they're good football players, right? So whether whether they don't test well or they do test well, like that's not going to necessarily change my opinion too much. In this one, I, tr- I struggled for corner, and I settled in on Clark Phillips. Now I will say this: at he's listed 5'10", 184. That's that's small. So that's undersized for a corner. He can't go and bl- and bomb the workout at 184 pounds because now we're talking like you know we get him down into late day three if he does that at 184. But as long as he goes and he has like a serviceable workout, uh, this is a guy that plays with outstanding toughness. He plays with outstanding uh, play recognition skills. His ball skills are outstanding um, for both man and zone. Uh, he's able to find the ball and play and finish in the air. Um, so Clark Phillips, that's a guy that I'm looking, not looking at as this being a deal breaker for him.
him uh, as a corner prospect. Um, and then going through with the positional workout, uh, who's a guy that you expect to do really well uh, in that in those drills? Well, I love that uh, they start incorporating the gauntlet drill for defensive yes. backs. Yep, love that. Yeah, I think it's just a cool little uh, you know look into hands and ball skills of some of these DBs, which a lot of them were you know, begrudgingly sent to the DB room late in high school because they dropped too many balls on the jugs machine from the receivers. And the receivers coach said, go check in with the cornerback coach because I don't want you anymore. So it's just want to see who has natural hands, who has the ball skills, um, whose interception total maybe is a little bit lower than it should have been, or conversely, who maybe has more than they should and maybe were the recipient of, you know, a tip ball or two or some overthrows or some gimme Hail Marys and things like that. So I think seeing some of the DBs go through the gauntlet drill, it's kind of a fun perspective. Um, Kaylee Ringo is a guy that comes to mind there, right, in terms of, like, uh, guys that were the, the ball skills and um, just the overall, like, technical proficiency is the, the big question with him. I would expect that Kaylee Ringo is going to test pretty well, I mean, especially at his size. Uh, I think he's going to look good uh, in a lot of these athletic mm-hmm. testing drills. But what does he look like when they start the ball work? I, I think that's going to be big um, for him and the kind of the narrative around him moving forward. He needs to um, change some directions better, in my opinion. I think he's going to mm-hmm. look great out here. But it's like the reading and mirror match stuff. It's the start stop, you know, the double move stuff. You know, it's all that balance and then getting back up to speed or getting in and out of your breaks. He's going to look the part in Indy. He's going to look great running. He's going to look great in drill. He's going to catch everything out there. But it's like the reactive stuff that I think he needs to get better with. All right, let's go to safety. Most important number you're excited to see here, Ben. Most important number of safety. Where are we at here? Where are we at here? Where are we at here? Oh, safety length. Antonio Johnson. I want to see how long this sucker comes in, how long his arms are. And same thing with JL Skinner. You know, can the athletic profile of these guys push them over into some of uh over some of these other safeties out there? You know, some people like Jair Brown out of Penn State and Ronnie Hickman thought had just an average week at the senior bowl and some really solid players out there that without some exceptional traits. You know, DeMarco Hellums and Jamari Connor and Chris Smith and Jordan Battle and guys like that. There's some freak shows out here, though, too. That's Antonio Johnson. That's J.L. Skinner. They're going to be the headliners of that group. There aren't any Kyle Hamiltons, really, in this class outside of J.L. Skinner, who is legit 6'4". So I just want to see how freaky some of these freak show safeties can be and maybe bump up their stock a little bit. Yeah, and to your point, like I I think that is the – um, the thing that kind of separates Antonio Johnson and Brian Branch is body type. Um, you know, I think that's one of the big differences between those two guys. Uh, I'm interested to see how big Brian Branch is. He's listed six foot one ninety four, uh, which is light. And, and look, Antonio Johnson coming into the season was listed six three one ninety five, which is a much skinnier frame, right? Um, Branch a little bit more compact. Alabama is not typically one of those schools that will fudge these numbers, um, but if Brian Branch comes in at like five ten one ninety. Uh, I think that does kind of solidify, yeah, like this guy's a nickel corner and not a safety. Uh, so I, I do think um, the body typing on Brian Branch will be big here by the time we get into Indianapolis. Um, next, so who's the guy that's going to blow the doors off the workout athletic, uh, athletically here, Ben? That's got to be Antonio Johnson. Yes, and I think that's a, a little bit of a dwindling season as far as the performance of the team and that defensive unit. But yep. in a vacuum, he's an impressive athlete. He's an impressive prospect. And I think this is the time the NFL has just been dying for three years to separate him from that program and to see mm-hmm. what do you have in him uh, in an isolated fashion who he, everyone thinks is the nickel safety of the future at that 6'3", 200-pound length with explosive movements and long arms. He looks the part out there, and I think he's going to look pretty good moving around. 
Dude, I agree. He was the first thing I wrote down. And it's, again, at that size, uh, to move the way he does, I think it's really impressive. Um, who could shock us with how well they test? You know, he maybe won't have the profile that's desired. Maybe not the length or the size or the height. I think Sidney Brown's going to look outstanding. Good one. This is a guy yeah. that has documented 22 miles an hour on the GPS in-game at the University of Illinois, flies around the field 100 miles an hour on the film. I don't see any reason why he can't do that in shorts and a T-shirt. You know, his brother's the running back, Chase Brown. He'll work out on a different day. Also pretty speedy himself. But Sidney Brown, put me down for Talanoa Hufanga. If you want to sign up for that type of player, mm. and believe me, Hufanga, Pac-12 Defensive Player of the Year, fell because of medicals. Sidney Brown, I think, is going to look really good out there. And this kid can move. He's a top-down player. He can go sideline to sideline. Anything you need him to do, blitzer, coverage, I think he's going to look just fine out there. Um. How about Jay Ward uh, from LSU? Uh, this is a guy oh, that's played all five positions at LSU. Um, he's played inside. He's played outside. He's played safety. Uh, I'm a sucker for guys that have that kind of versatility. I've talked about that in the past with Trey Dean as well. I think Jay Ward is a little bit of a, a, the next level uh, from, a, from a prospect standpoint. I, I really like Jay Ward. Um, 6'1", 32-inch uh, arms. That's confirmed. Uh, I, I really like this kid, so I'm excited to see what he looks like from a testing standpoint. I think he'll look pretty good. He's got a corner body, a corner skill set. My guess is he'll test more like a corner than like a safety. But at the end of the day, I do like him more on the inside as a safety uh, than on the perimeter. Um, which player should testing not matter as much for, Ben? You know, in the same kind of uh, avenue of uh, Devin Witherspoon, it's got to be Jamie Robinson. Yeah. He's that alpha presence, wants to beat you up. He plays so tough, plays so violent, not only in just his tackling. He plays violent and wanting to like rake the ball out. Plays like he's just always pissed off. I don't know what he's going to do out here to be able to show that. You know, he maybe is the one yelling and chirping going through drills, and that's really his presence, really infectious. And South Carolina transfer, don't forget, playing the SEC, now at Florida State, can play a strong safety role, a nickel role. He's a good blitzer. He's a guy you could probably put out a corner if you really needed to in a jam. He's that competitive. Just don't know if he's going to be a low 4-4 guy. I don't know if he's going to jump out the building. I don't even know if he's that fluid in his movements. He's just so violent and tough in everything that he does. Really good football player. I want him on my team just may not be the sexiest player in shorts and a t-shirt. For me, I felt that way about Jordan Battle from Alabama. Yeah, You know, I think with Battle, uh, you know, he was in mock drafts, uh, you know, back in the spring as a guy that you know, this could be a first-round pick, which I always felt that was a little bit too high. Uh, people were talking about him that last year as well. Remember, he was kind of a surprise junior that went back to school after right. the 2021 season. He was an All-American, first-team All-SEC uh, back in 2021, came back and did the same exact thing this year, third-team All-American, first-team All-SEC. The numbers, production, basically the same um, this year as a senior. But he's not known for his athleticism. He's not known um, for you know his long speed and his range. So I, I don't think we should count that against him again. 215 pounds. This is a big boy. Um, he can't like blow the. He can't like completely bomb the workout. But at the end of the day, like if, as long as he tests okay, like I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm all right with that. At the end of the day, um, last one for you. Last question. We'll get you out of here, Ben. Most important positional workout when it's all said and done here. You know, I love that they put these safeties through the W drill, through the box drill, those other kind of sharp, explosive change of direction drills where you need to get up to top speed very quickly in the short area burst but then come back to balance and change directions. So I think we get a little too excited about the 40, where it really lets these horses get up to top speed and show off that horsepower. It's really not what football's about. Football's about the start-stop, getting in and out of your brakes, coming to balance, and then getting up to speed very quickly. The W drill puts these safeties in some awkward spots as they're not always used to pedaling and then driving out of their brakes. Same thing with that box drill. 
which the box drill is like the W drill, with, with more variety of techniques. They actually go through some side saddle and some pedal uh, while they're going in and out of that kind of box rotation. So there's a few guys certainly I can list in that category, and they yep. want to show off that they can move and have some cover skills as well. And if you find a safety that can cover, maybe a Brandon Joseph will look good in these drills. That's tons of value. Uh, I uh, you took the name right out of my mouth because I was just who I, exactly who I was going with there. Brandon Joseph, I think, will be very big um, for this drill. Remember, he had a huge season. He was an All-American in the uh, the COVID year in 2020 uh, for Northwestern. Has since transferred to uh, to Notre Dame. That's where he, he'll have the uh, the uh, the Golden Dome or helmet on next week. Um, what does he look like in these position drills? Kind of remind people, oh, yeah, like I'm, I have that ability to be that ball hawk on the back end. I think that'll go a long way for him. Yeah, and I think conversely, there's going to be some corners that don't look great in those drills. That are 6'2", 200 pounds, and could be safety converts. You know, the Corey Trices of the world, the Kedron Smiths of Kentucky, although I don't think he got an invite. But there's a lot of big corners in this class. Yep, no doubt. Well, uh, Ben, this was, a, uh, this was a marathon, man, between you and Dane. Uh, we've covered a lot of players, but we've got six more we're going to cover here with Greg Cosell. It's time now for Pick 6. Now it's time for Pick 6. All right, well, here to round out the episode as we get ready for Pick 6 with Greg Cosell from NFL Films. And, Greg, uh, we're going to touch on three more positions here, and we'll start at wide receiver. I feel like we're going to hit a lot of wide receivers in the course of this segment just because there are so many receivers to talk about. And here in this uh, in this segment, we're going to do Jalen Hyatt and Tank Dell. Jalen Hyatt, potential first-round pick. Uh, the University of Tennessee had a huge year this year uh, with that upstart Vols program. What did you see from Hyatt on tape? You know, it's really interesting and the, with the offense they ran, it was such a spread, uh, truly spread, as you know, and because of that, he almost always had free access off the ball. He's an explosive vertical receiver. He's got short area burst. He's got accelerating deep speed. And, you know, it all at times to me, Fran, it looked deceptive because he's kind of an easy glider the way he moves. Um, mm. He's a true definition of a vertical dimension, and uh, there's no doubt that with his speed and the the issues it presents to defenses um, and his ability to change games with explosive plays, that's always in high demand. Um, I mean, he broke down cushions of of corners and safeties in a heartbeat. I mean, he was rarely ever pressed. You never saw that. Um, You really didn't see run after catch. The only time you saw run after catch is if he caught a ball when no one was around him on the move, and then he just kept running. Um, but, you know, you certainly didn't see um, him working against press. You, As I mentioned, you didn't see true run after catch. Uh, but, you know, at the end of the day, his pure speed and explosive vertical ability, that's going to get him drafted high, um, you know, and, and maybe pretty high. You know, I was trying to think of, of comps, you know, which we always do when we watch these guys and sometimes some pop into your head, uh, sometimes they don't. Um, you know, the question to me with him is can he become – a more versatile, high-volume target uh, as he yeah. develops in the NFL. You know, I thought of Will Fuller getting drafted 20th by the Texans. I even went back and maybe thought of someone like Deshaun Jackson. You know, this yep. guy is a true, true explosive vertical threat. And that's, I think, what's interesting about him is that, you know, there's going to be all kinds of conversations about, like, the route running and the route tree and things like that. And I think that that's all valid stuff. I, I think when you watch his vertical routes, so you watch him run, uh, you know, his goes, his posts, his corners, um, you know, he'll, he'll route some guys up on some comebacks as well. Those routes are 
look a lot different to me than his slants and his digs and his, you know, the, the curls, like anything that's uh, within like 15 yards, not as refined and not as precise as the stuff you see that's down the field. So I think immediately he brings that vertical dimension. And I think that's what separates him from say like Chris Olave last year, where Olave was super polished in all areas of the field, running routes from everywhere in the formation. Whereas with Hyatt, I think that it's more of a one, one dimensional thing right now. Um, but as you mentioned, that one, one dimension is very valuable and that will get him drafted high is that speed. I guess the question will be is how high will a team be willing to, to put that card in and say, yeah, let, let's put, let's make Jalen right. Hyatt uh, our first pick in the draft. The one thing he does have really good hands. He caught the ball yes. very easily. Um, he tracked the ball. Well, he caught the yep. ball. Well, um, and sometimes with vertical guys, we see them not be quite as good catching the football, but he was very good in that area. As I said, to me, the key question is, can he become more than that? There's always yep. a place for that. And and look, he could be one of those guys, as we speak today, one week before the combine, um, he could be a 4-2-7 guy. I mean, he could yep. be one of those guys. And if he does, you know what that's going to mean as far as the NFL and where he gets drafted. But it's yep. still... In a sense, he's one of those guys, we know he's fast. We know he can run vertical routes. Whatever speed he runs in the 40, in a sense, doesn't really mean anything because it'll be fast. Because you know what? Fast guys run fast. So would expect him to run fast, exactly. Yeah, that's right. So the question is, just like you said, can he become more than that? Or is he simply a vertical guy? Which, hey, that's always in demand. Every team wants that. But is he? will he develop into a volume target? Yeah, uh, and you mentioned Will Fuller, that comparison. And to your point, Will Fuller was not the most natural pass catcher in the world. He had drops issues no. at Notre Dame. He had some uh, some durability questions as well that carried over uh, to the NFL. But those those drops showed up with Will Fuller that you don't necessarily see. But still, the Houston Texans felt comfortable taking him You know, in the 20s, 20, 22nd overall, whatever he was uh, back a few years back because of that vertical speed. And so uh, I do think that's something that Hyatt has in his back pocket. And I would say uh, we could say some similar things about Tank Dell from ah. Houston. Uh, we are not talking about Tank Dell in the first round at this point. Um, much different body type. 5'8", 163. These are confirmed measurements uh, from the senior bowl. 5'8 and a quarter, 163 pounds. He's short arms. He's got tiny hands. Uh, the, 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 the body type is going to be the big question, but uh, this kid's got some juice as well, Greg. <clears throat> yeah, and as you know, there might be some teams that don't even really want to draft him because of those measurements that you just gave. Um so he will be in the eye of the beholder and the team as you project him. Look, this guy, there's no question, though, he has sudden explosive movement traits as both yep. a route runner and run after catch. I mean, this guy is electric. He's dynamic. He's got game-changing uh, playmaking ability. Um, obviously, his size is not what you want. He's got a thin frame. Um, so, so the question with receivers like Nathaniel Dell is, what's his deployment within the context of an offense? You know, every offense is looking to generate explosives. Dell can give you that. Um, you know, he was used in motion quite a bit at the University of Houston. That would probably be the case in the NFL. You want him to get off the ball with free access, where his burst and acceleration at route running quickness could be best maximized. Um, look, he ran away from college corners and safeties. Will he run away from NFL corners and safeties? That remains to be seen. But yep. this guy is really intriguing to me. I mean, he has a ton of juice, Fran, the kind of juice you don't often see. And I'll be fascinated to see who drafts him and how he's deployed. That's the thing is that, you know, 
one player that came to mind is as I, as I was studying him, and this is the player when he was in college, was Isaiah McKenzie at Georgia. And McKenzie yeah. took a little bit in terms of getting up to speed in the NFL and carved out a role with the Buffalo Bills these last couple of years. And that's I feel like that's the question. It's like, okay, like Tank Dell, he can come in and be that kind of you know Swiss Army knife, fourth or fifth receiver, or give you some special teams juice and, and have a role on offense. And now it's what else can you bring? Can, can you be more than that when you get to the NFL? And if you think that he can be, then that will be reflected in his draft status. And I think you're looking at more of a day two pick as opposed to uh, an early day, early to late day three pick. Yeah, and I think, you know, it's funny you mentioned McKenzie. I think Dell's a better route runner than McKenzie was. Right, coming out, um, no doubt. Yep. And I think that that's a major positive for him. I thought he ran routes pretty well. And there were I thought there were some pretty good examples of that scattered throughout his tape this last year at the University of Houston. So um, I'm real curious because, look, he's a player so much then depends on coaching and, and deployment. Because obviously, you know, when you're 5'8 and 3 eighths and 163 pounds, you know, that is very small. But we see how many more teams in the league uh, u- utilize motion now, utilize guys getting off the ball cleanly. You know, this guy can run, and he's really difficult to tackle with the ball in his hands. All right, let's go to our next position here as we get to players three and four. Along the offensive line, Paris Johnson from Ohio State and Broderick Jones from Georgia, two of the tackles being talked about in the top, we'll say, you know, 15 of, of this draft class. You're seeing uh, as early as number seven in a lot of mock drafts, uh, Them the, the Las Vegas Raiders going offensive line. So, uh, Greg, let's start first with Johnson because he's a player that I know you studied over the summer when he was yeah. a guard for the Buckeyes, and then he made his transition to tackle here this year. You've studied the tackle tape. What are your thoughts as we sit here in late February on Paris Johnson? Yeah, and and I struggled a bit with Paris Johnson at the tackle position. I know he's being mocked by people you and I respect greatly as a you know a top ten, top twelve pick, um, and maybe he will be. Um, I th- he's really compact. I think he's stiff. Um, I think his lateral movement is is somewhat lacking. Um, he was challenged on the edge quite a bit. I thought there were too many snaps in which he struggled to control and effectively secure the arc. Um, you know, I think that he's a little mechanical. He's a little robotic uh, when he's at left tackle. Uh, you know, and he struggled at times with speed to power as well. You know, a player we're going to get to, uh, Lucas Van Ness from Iowa, really gave him problems with speed to power. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, and I watched him as a guard in 2021. I watched numerous games last summer. I know he'll be drafted as a tackle. That seems to be the way people think. Uh I wonder if he's better suited to play guard. Look, I remember talking to a number of coaches a year ago, O-line coaches who clearly know more than I do, thought and thinking that Iki Iguanu was really a, a guard. And obviously, he started at left tackle for the Panthers, Panthers this year. And I don't know if you got to see him very much, but he struggled. Um, yeah. And, you know, a lot of people assumed he wouldn't struggle because of how good he looked in at North Carolina State. But he struggled, particularly in pass protection. And I wonder if Paris Johnson's going to face some of the same fate if he were to play left tackle. Yeah, I think it's going to be fascinating to see with him, uh, with Peter Skaronsky. Uh, there's a couple other names we could talk about here with this group. The you know, Cody Mock from North Dakota State. You know, what, how are they ultimately viewed by the team that drafts them? And you know, it's one of those things where we fall. You know, we as a media entity, you know, kind of fall into this trap of, oh, well, the league thinks this about player X. Well. It's not necessarily when you talk about where a guy lands. It's not necessarily about what the league as a whole felt. It's about what that individual team that took him felt. Uh, and I, I think it'll be interesting to see with Johnson. And I think that this is a, a good feather in his cap. Is that 
He has proven left side, right side versatility, pr- proven tackle yeah. guard versatility. So a team might say, look, let's let's play him a tackle. Let's see if we can groom him along because this is a guy that uh, was not playing offensive line. He was a late bloomer. I mean, he was 200 pounds uh, early on in his freshman career, like literally uh, 205 uh, early on in his freshman career. Um, did not grow into this frame until a little bit later in life. So uh, I'm interested to see what Johnson looks like two, three years from now, uh, how much patience is, is given to him uh, in terms of his development. Where does he land? He's, he's a fascinating player, um, but not a finished product yet, I would agree. Yeah, I, I would agree with that 100%. So I'm really curious, and your point is a really good one. It's not what the league thinks or even what you and I think. It's what a team that drafts him thinks that he's going to be for them within the context of how they run offense. Yeah. Well, let's get to the next one here, Broderick Jones from Georgia, who you know I think a lot of people as well are just kind of plugging in and saying, yep, oh, yeah, this guy, top 10 tackle, top 15 tackle. Um, but the, and the the highlights, you look at it and you're like, oh, this guy looks like he could be like Tyron Smith. He's got that same kind of angular frame, that narrow waist. Uh, he's played both sides of the line of scrimmage or both sides of the, of the formation, left tackle and right tackle, over the course of his career. Um, Greg, I, I think he's got uh, troubles with his anchor as well, kind of watching, especially some of the cross tape with some of the defensive linemen I've watched in the SEC. Uh, interested to kind of get your thoughts here on Broderick Jones. He's only started 19 games. You know, yeah. he does not have a lot of starts. Um, I, I, you know, well, look, I think he has plus, plus athleticism. Now, I've seen a lot of people say that he's just an ultra athlete. I don't think he's an ultra athlete. I think he's a plus athlete. Um but he has some issues that need to be cleaned up. And again, I'm not an O-line coach, so I'm not going to sit here and say they can or can't be. But he is a waistbender and a head dropper. And the head dropper is a major issue. When he's challenged in pass pro, he drops his head. Um, and Which, by the way, is really bad from a not even just like a player safety standpoint, but if you are losing your vision on your target of the guy that you're trying to block, uh, you are in trouble, especially when you get to the NFL. Without question. Um and I think that he had a tendency to play too upright uh, when he in, in his uh, sets, and I think that negated his athleticism. Yeah. Um, now, in the run game, you really saw the athleticism show up. You saw the fluidity. You saw the easy movement when he climbed to the yep. second level, when he pulled both outside and across the formation. That's where you really saw the athleticism. Um, but I thought his tape was really erratic and wildly inconsistent in pass protection. Could that be a function of lack of experience? Maybe, but there, those technique issues must be addressed and cleaned up. And you must feel you can coach him and correct his issues. I mean, I've been reading people saying that he's a day one starter. And I, my sense is, with the way he drops his head and bends, I think he would struggle if he was a day one starter, unless that's the kind of thing an O-line coach thought he could clean up through OTAs and training camp. Yeah, and that's the. I think that's the big thing is how much of uh, how many of his issues can be corrected in the you know four months from uh, from May until you get to to September. How much of that can get corrected by yeah. an offensive line coach? Um, you know, and then their developmental process over the course of OTAs, mini camps, and then training camp. I think when you look at Broderick Jones, um, you know, people will talk about the athleticism, and I think it's it's almost similar, Greg, to when we talk about uh, linebackers and safeties and say, oh, you know, look how good of a blitzer they are. If your best plays as a as a linebacker as a second level level defender are when you're blitzing and you're just running from A to B uh, that's that, that's not a good sign if that's where your best no. plays come if you're going to talk about an offensive lineman and say oh look at the, his best plays are on the move 
that's that's a tough sell. You, you need to be yeah. able to do the everyday thing, the every down to down things. Um, you know that, that I don't know that Broderick Jones right now, as we sit here in late February, if he's able to do, if he were to play in a game tomorrow, it's a matter of what will he be able to do down the road. Yeah, you know he's he has a lot of technique issues, and again, yep. you and I are not O line coaches, so I'm not going to sit here and say that it can or can't be cleaned up. But he has several technique issues, and if they're not cleaned up, he will struggle. Let's go to our next position here. A couple of uh, pass rushers in this class. Two guys that, you know, one certainly is going to be in the top five. I almost feel like it's a, it's a lock to be a top five pick. And, you know, it was talked about potentially as the number one pick coming into this class. And that's Alabama's Will Anderson. I mean, last year as a, as a sophomore, 100 tackles and what was it, 17 and a half sacks uh, in the SEC. Just outrageous production. Um, I know you studied him last summer. I know you're almost done studying him uh, so far from this year, where you've seen enough, uh, certainly be able to, uh, to, to talk about him from his junior year. Greg, what are your thoughts on Will Anderson? You know, I keep going back and forth in my mind. You know, obviously he's put up big numbers and there's a lot to like about Will Anderson. He's a powerful man. He's got strength. He's got power. Um, There are many examples where he moves people, both in the run game and as a pass rusher. Um, I wouldn't say that he's overly bendy or flexible. Uh, And I think that's one thing as I keep watching, you know, I think to myself, is that going to be an issue? Is he going to be a guy that is is going to have to win with power uh, and and not much else at this point? Now, as you know, you watched Alabama as well. They slant a ton and that helped him a lot. There were a lot of times where the nature of the scheme allowed him to either work half a man or immediately get into a gap. It allowed him to look really, really good. Um, but there were also games. I mean, I, I did you watch the Tennessee game this year? I don't think I've done that one yet against uh, Darnell well, Wright. Yep. In that Tennessee game, he went up consistently against Darnell Wright, and Darnell Wright shut him down every single snap. Every single snap they went head-to-head, Darnell Wright shut him down. And because all Anderson did was try to win with speed to power and power, and Wright, who's a big man, as you know, and some have him mocked, you know, in the top 40, top 50. um, Sure. Wright shut him down every single time. If you didn't know it was Will Anderson, you would have said that that player who was rushing the quarterback was not very good. Um, And... You know, I just think that there's a little tightness to him. Um, I think he's more of a relentless pass rusher with power than he is a flexible pass rusher. You know, he certainly does not have what, uh, you know, some might call motorcycle lean. He's not that kind of pass rusher. So, again, I'm not sitting here saying that he's not going to be a good player, but I think there's some things that he needs to further develop, you know, as he plays in the NFL. Yeah, I think I think. Look, at the end of the day, we're talking about one of the blue chip players, and we're in, in this class. And I, I guess with him, it depends on uh, you're kind of putting the scope in, right? Is this a Miles Garrett level of like physical phenom, or is this just he's you know arguably the best player in, in this individual class? And I guess um, you know that's going to be kind of the question when you're talking about Will Anderson. And that's why, honestly, that's probably why most mock drafts you're seeing it's Jalen Carter at number one and not Will Anderson at the end of the day. Well, I don't think that just from a, a traits and attributes perspective that he's Miles Garrett. First right, of all, yep. Garrett weighs over 270, no and doubt. Garrett is a much more flexible athlete than Will Anderson. 
And that's the, that's the big question I think on on uh, Anderson as well that teams are having is like uh, the overall size. You know, he was listed I think in the low two forties, um, and people say like, all right, that, that that's a little bit light if we're talking about a pass rusher that we're taking that high in the draft to be that kind of player. Because to your point, uh, those guys typically are in the two sixties, two seventies when you when you see them go that high in a draft. Yeah, what do you what do you think he'll weigh? I mean, he's been listed anywhere from like 235 to 245 um, by, you know, over the course of his career. Uh, I think it was officially 243 by Alabama on their roster page this year. I got to think he'll, he'll, be, he'll be ready for the weigh in uh, next week, uh, you know, in Indianapolis. So, um, you know, I would say probably the mid 250s, early to low 250s. <coughs> yeah, you know what I'm curious about? I'm very curious to see if he sees himself through his agents and his, you know, his um, workout team if he has to gain weight or lose weight, right. you know, I, I'd yeah. be really curious about that because, you know, like I said, he's, he's explosive in a power way, but not explosive in a bendy way. Well, I, th- I would think if he came in light, if he came in lighter than what he played at, if he came in in the two thirties, I think that will raise eyebrows even more. Uh, so I would say they almost certainly will would look to gain uh, or stay status quo. Uh, that's that would be fascinating to see though if he came Interesting. in uh, below what he was listed at. <clears throat> yeah. Um, to, so that's something we'll certainly follow. Let's go to a guy that you alluded to earlier, uh, Lucas Van Ness from Iowa, the last player we'll cover here today. Yeah, Lucas Van Ness is an interesting guy. Now he's a strong power player as well. Um, I think he's a little difficult to project. Um, I wouldn't say he's a great athlete. I think he's stiff as well, but he's another strong, strong player. Now, we talked about Paris Johnson uh, earlier, uh, uh, you know, 15 minutes ago, and when he played against Paris Johnson, I don't know if you watched that tape, but he just physically ate him up with, with power moves. I mean, his speed to power pass rush versus Paris Johnson drove him back into the pocket numerous times. Strong hands. Perfect hand placement. He's one of those guys. I remember having a coach who came to the office here years ago at NFL Films in my matchup room. Show me where you want to place your hands when you want to, uh, you know, attack with speed to power versus an offensive lineman. It's kind of, um, you know, on the inside shoulder, you know, just just inside. And he did that really, really well. He was very good with his hand placement. Um, you know, he his strength and power combination is really what he is. So the question is, is he a defensive end or a defensive tackle? And I think teams will see him differently. Right. Yeah, he's I, – I think I texted you as I was watching because I know that you were in the process of watching. I was like, yep. Greg, I, I don't know if I should put him with my edges or with my defense, uh, yeah, defensive know. line. You know, at, two, at 275, he's actually a guy that I'm, I'm really interested in. It's the question you had about Will Anderson earlier. Will his people feel that it's best for him to put on weight and continue and test really well as a, a bigger defensive lineman or you know cut down some weight and have those numbers look really, look really good uh, off the edge? It'll, it'll be fascinating to see. Um, at some point, I'd love – and we talked about – this earlier, I'd love to uh, see the the uh, the combine break these guys off into it not just be DL and LB and having guys right. all over the place there. Um, but uh, yeah, I think that Van Ness he's he's a fascinating player, uh, and I think that this he's a guy that uh, that's a skill set that wins. The the things that he does, I think, play well in the NFL. Well, I, I think they play well to be a solid player. The right, question yeah. is, does that make him a dominant player? Right. Like I'm he's crazy. going to he's one of those guys barring injury. Fran, that'll play in the league 10 years. Right. You know, yep. what he does, there's always a place for. You know, he's physical, he's competitive, he knows how to use his hands, he's strong, he's powerful, he can move people, um, he plays with unbelievable effort. You know, he makes secondary action tackles and sacks. 
all that always plays. The right. question is, does that lead to him being, you know, a big-time pass rusher or just a really, really solid player that, you know, you'd love to have on your team? Nope, that's a, it's a really good point. And uh, something we'll be following here with Lucas Van Ness uh, over the course of the I mean, just one process. final point. You know, yeah. there were times watching him where I thought of Zach Allen, who came out of BC and is a really nice player for the uh, Arizona Cardinals. You know, but you wouldn't call him a big, big-time pass rusher, but he's a really good player. Yep. Right, right, exactly. Uh, and that's, I mean, arguably the best player on that defensive front uh, last right. year alongside you know, J.J. And, Watt. And, a really good could there right be now. a year where Zach Allen gets 12 sacks just because it plays out that way? Sure, yeah. but he's not necessarily a guy who you're going to say, oh, he's you know, pencil him in for 15 sacks. You know, right. He's not that guy, but he's a really good multi-dimensional, multi-positional player. Well, Greg, uh, really appreciate the insight once again. We will talk to you next week uh, out in Indianapolis, I'm sure, for the Scouting Combine. Yep. Thanks for joining us once again here on the Journey to the Draft podcast presented by LifeBrand. Well, great stuff there from Greg. I'm sure we'll run into him next week uh, out in Indianapolis as well. Uh, we'll wrap things up now as we uh, finish our Combine preview. Like I said at the top, a marathon episode. But this was all done on purpose to get you ready. One episode to get you ready for next week's Combine trip. Stay tuned right here on the feed for the Journey of the Draft podcast presented by LifeBrand.